I'm Killer Mike. I'm LP. We're run running the jewels fast. Run them, run them jewels fast. Run them, run them, run them, run them, run them, run them. Fuck the slow mo. Fascist slave, you protested to get in a fucking look book. Everything I scribbled like the anarchist cook book. Look good, posing in the center for the crook book. Black on black on black, wave the ski mask, that is my crook book. How you like my styling, bro? Ain't nobody smiling, bro. Not to turn this motherfucker. And we come back out together as run the juice, the same two guys, and these kids would literally go crazy. And by the end of that tour, when our management same, said, we'd be wearing the same thing. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. but, but by the end of the tour, I remember my management called and said, oh, well, you know, what are we going to do? Get back to solo stuff? And I said, absolutely not. I'm in a rap group now. And the response and the energy that you get back is so um, overwhelming. It's really inspiring, you know, and that's all. It's, it's like we, we're, we've we shifted from it being just a sort of a quick little project that we were doing with no expectation to something that we pour our hearts into and something that we have made our primary outlet for expression. And that's been the growth process. And so because of that, the records have changed and the records have gotten a little bit um, sort of fuller, I think, and uh, with, you know, with our hearts and our ideas, whereas it sort of started as just a, 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 a fun thing that we thought was gonna last about two, as long as we took the A wise man once said, we all dead, fuck it. Just spit it disgusting youngin' and hold your nuts while you gunning. I listened, tatted a sentence on my dick last summer. Now I'll never get that phrase off my brain, it's no wonder. I'm here to buy hearts, I got hundreds, honey. Welcome to another madcap laughs of pod like a hole where three guys take you through their favorite things uh and you know we make a podcast about it it's like screaming into the void and sometimes people listen and sometimes they don't uh hopefully we are gaining more listeners than we're losing them but if i keep rambling on like this uh that uh claim is definitely up for grabs. Well, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, you know, the, what, from what I've heard in the last year with the pandemic, there's way more podcasts now because people were sitting at home, nothing better to do, and they were like, "Oh, I guess I can make a podcast." And uh, friends, Pod Like a Whole existed for years before the pandemic. We made this podcast before we had nothing better to do than to stay at home. And now that we're allowed to go in public again, we're still doing the podcast because we care about you. Editors note this was recorded before the consequences of unvaxxed, unmasked yahoos made the Delta variant explode. And now we're back in a place where public shenanigans should be done with caution. Thanks. But I have to tell you, yeah, there, there's way more podcasts out there. And the majority of them that have given rise in the last year that are by athletes, artists, musicians, comedians, all they do is they sit in front of a Zoom call and they hit record and they don't edit it. And it is low quality. It sucks. is low class. Yeah, it sucks. It's low class. And here at Pod Like a Hole, you're going to get a better quality product, even though none of us have never been on a TV show before that I know about. It's true. Although I think Eric was on the local news one time. Uh, so there is a little bit of a TV appearance there. I was um, the, the pilot episode for... Um, a game show called Scramble, hosted by Randall Cunningham. <laughs> not football, not host football-based trivia show, and uh, we didn't win. But oh, surprise, surprise! 
Um, Inter- interesting enough, it wasn't hosted by Jack Gallagher, who looks exactly like your father and is a uh, local comedian to the California. And I used to see him on the local lottery shows on NBC. And uh, often during those segments, they would have uh, uh, local commercials. You're Cal Worthington. You're Paul from the Diamond Center. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Paul there from was, the Diamond Center. I got I got more of these because my my dad's friend was a game show producer and he did another one called Ping Pong Local hosted by Sacramento's bad boy, Marcus Allen. Um, also didn't win that one. I tell you, does anyone have eyes on Chris Eddy? If either one of you remember who Chris Eddy was, I'm going to buy you your next beer. Um, if Chris not, uh, he was the uh, host of the Fox 40 Kids Club. Uh, he would be the oh. ones that would be introducing Batman the Animated Series and Tiny Toons Adventures. God, you know, I remember, I remember that you know on the Mario Super Show. Eventually, they did away with Captain Lou Albano and the other guy that played Luigi, and the live parts were a Mario Club, which is mm-hmm. a very 90s, 90s surfer dude, uh, you know, rollerblades type thing. It was terrible. But I vaguely remember the Fox Kids Club. Can't remember that guy, though. But speaking of beer, you know what's interesting is this is our first show we've done in over a year since we've seen each other in person. What, what I mean by that is in the last two weeks, the three of us managed to all see each other. Actually, no, I managed to see you two, but you haven't seen each other. That is the truth. Yep. Uh, it's almost like uh, Steve is our um, our child and we each have visitation on him. Sure. And sure. Uh, yeah, me and Eric, we just we can't be in the same room together without bringing our lawyers into it. <laughs> yeah, I just well, I can, the I conditions can... are right. The conditions are not right. I can verify that you both look the same, which disappointed me. I was hoping that somebody went bald or uh, lost a limb, but nothing, nothing of that, that nature. So next time I see you, I'll just start wearing an eye patch and just let you believe that I lost an eye. Um, so yeah, this is our show guys. Uh, uh, welcome to pod like a whole. We talk about things we talk about things in uh, random order, uh, things that are usually our favorite bands and artists. And every now and then we uh, go into paths and detours and alleyways, just like you saw there. Uh, tonight, in season three, we are running the gamut. But uh, instead of running gamuts, we're running jewels because we are talking about the fourth record by the hip hop duo Run the Jewels, LP and Killer Mike. Uh, it was nominated by our good friend Steve, and uh, you're going to hear from him in just a hot second. This is Mark, and Eric is also on the uh, the mic on the ones and twos. Eric, uh, say hello to the people. Uh, people, it's uh, it's 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 great to have your ears uh, standing at attention again. Absolutely. And then uh, Stephen, uh, say hello. I've already introduced myself. Let's get going with the podcast, please. Let's get going. I mean, uh, are we ready to hit record? Oh, we are recording. Perfect. So. Um, this record, released in 2020, uh, certainly has got some uh, some social uh, uh, commentary that you know three white guys will be sure to do and talk about perfectly comfortable. Um, but uh, we'll manage through. Before we get to that record tonight, um, is there any housekeeping? Anything on the newswire? Anything that's uh, worth a damn? There's Eric? there's one thing there's one thing worth mentioning. Uh, 
Nine Inch Nails is going to produce uh, an album by someone called Halsey. Is that right, Eric? Yeah. Yeah, Halsey, who I didn't know who that was, did a little search. Seems like an interesting person. I checked out some of the music. I mean, it's pop. Um, I, I threw a, a line out there to our listeners like, hey, what's a good album to check out? And I got like a slide. Uh, I believe Sly Dog got back and said, uh, check out the album uh, Manic. I uh, checked it out. I mean, it's not my genre, but sounds like she's got something to say. Um, so I can see maybe why why Trent would appeal to Trent. Uh, the little clip they played for their collaboration. I mean, I mean, obviously, it sounds, you can tell it's 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 Trent and Atticus, and uh, I'm gonna give it a spin. Uh, just you know, interesting. Uh, does have me uh, chomping at the bit for some uh, a Nine Inch Nails album, but hey, I'll take what I can get. There you go. Um, is that it? Is that all? All the news coming out of the the feeds there. That's that's all we got for news. But you know, Eric reminds me that we've got Trent and Atticus doing pop music now, who have also done Pixar music, which uh, reminds me of our, uh, our our new segment. What is it called about recommending things? Oh yeah, plug like a hole. Plug, plug, hole. plug like a hole. And uh, I've got two things this week actually. But uh, Eric, what's your what's your plug for the week? What have what have you been doing that you want to tell the listeners about? Um, what ha- what have I been doing? Fucking, you know what? Yeah, I'll see, is, all I got for you is I got a movie, and I did prepared at all. This is I, a new segment. You should no, be prepared. I, I don't have music past what we're going to be talking about tonight, but um, I did it watch. Need to be music. It could be anything. We've discussed I know, this before. That's what I'm talking about. Psycho Gorman. <laughs> Psycho Gorman is an insane movie that uh, it's like a cross between Masters of the Universe and like Evil Dead. It's a uh, it's all practical like effects. Um, it's not really horror. It's about like this, uh, this galactic, uh, mass murderer that, um, winds up on earth, but a brother and sister duo find his amulet, which means they control him and like get revenge on bullies. And it's absolutely over the top. And I was howling with laughter for the entire time. I can't recommend it enough. If you like uh, kind of B movie, if you like, uh, but, but, but very well written, you're going to like this one. If you like practical bloody effects, you're going to like it as well. It's fantastic. Is it, is it Psycho Gorman or Psycho Gorman? Well, it's spelled Psycho Gorman, but Gorman is like one word Gorman. So Psycho Gorman. There you go. Interesting. Good. And what, yeah. how, how could anybody find this? Is it well, on you any, can rent it? it if your local library messes with Hoopla. It's on Hoopla. Okay. Hoopla. That sounds right next door to Tubi. Mark, what do you what do you have <laughs> down the street from Pluto, Pluto TV? Um, you know, honestly, I really haven't been doing much uh, with my recommendation time. It has been a lot of uh, editing of previous episodes that you've already heard, listeners. So you'd like um, to recommend has- you'd like to recommend our last episode of Pod like I'm going to go ahead and recommend <laughs> our Pod Like a Hole. Um, but you know, it is it is summertime, and um, if anything does remind me of the summertime. It's uh, watching Batman Forever on a hot afternoon. So uh, do yourself a favor, rewatch Batman Forever. Hey, two fists, show me how to punch a guy. It's dirt simple, my boy. Ball up the fist, reach way back, and assert yourself. That yeah. looks like fun. <laughs> let me try, let me try. Ball up the fist, reach way back, reach way back. Ah! Ow! <laughs> 
madcap antics of Jim Carrey and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. And uh, I think I was walking down Nostalgia Lane and I came across the old McDonald's uh, frosted mugs. And uh, I think I, it's time that I, I go on eBay and I hit buy for those things. So as always, Batman Forever, never not in style. Now that's how you make an entrance. <laughs> and I haven't seen that movie in at least two years, but uh, it just popped in my mind. It's Batman. You know, what's funny about that, Mark, is that I actually watched uh, about 20 minutes of Batman Begins today. It's uh, very oh, coincidental. Nice. That's why I texted you that photo of Christopher Nolan. Um, <laughs> they they stay they hold up those those Nolan Batman movies. One hundred percent. I still haven't watched Tenant, but uh, I mean, uh, if you don't walk around with at least Bane's voice in your head at least once a month, you know, get yourself checked out. Make sure you're all right. Yeah. I that, showed that Lennox. Won't... I showed Lennox that trilogy, and for some reason, he just cackles whenever Jonathan Crane comes on the screen like he uh, loves the scarecrow character and, he, and scarecrow shows up in all three so he was pleasantly surprised old old tommy shelby old tommy shelby yes that He's won't that won't be the last eyes. that won't be the last time we talk about batman tonight actually and my recommendation i have two one is just pixar in general i've uh the kid has had luca on loop here at the house and I love that Luca. That is a pleasant, just goes down smooth movie to have on in the background if you're a parent. You guys have you guys have done the Luca, right? I've done the Luca, and if anything, um, I, I, in my head, it's the, it's a prequel to the character Luca Brazzi from Godfather. This is his origin story. Right, right. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the prequel to um, to the sh- the Shape of Water. Um, oh god (laughs) we're really crossing the streams tonight (laughs) yeah no i i i enjoy its themes of friendship and uh facing your fears and the music it's all good and i I like you know for pixar to do a a little seaside italian town movie that's uh it's it's a a different vibe for them uh as is soul which i finally finished today with him and uh, the, uh, the 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 Trenton Atticus music in that one really really does a great a lot of heavy lifting in the last third of that movie. Uh, oh yeah, onions were being cut over here. There was I was watching that in a dusty basement. Yeah, yeah, the soul. Like the, that and that you know that and Luca both got me to, got to me uh, in different ways. So I like yeah. I like both of those. And that's your Pixar corner, and over in the music corner, no surprise here. But I just got to tell listeners, dear listeners, if, if, if you've ever just, you know, you know about the band Anthrax, but you never, never gave Anthrax a shot, give Anthrax a shot. I, the, the planets aligned over COVID where I, I was watching documentaries on the, uh, the 80s thrash scene. And then that Wrath of the Easter Bunny EP got remade, uh, the Mr. Bungle album, and they put Scotty in in the band. And I just was like, ah, Anthrax, you know what? Is there more to them than uh, the crossover song with Public Enemy and that Beavis and Butthead experience track? And boy, howdy, dear listeners, is there ever. Very, very good catalog there. The the stuff in the 80s with the, the singer Joey Belladonna is great. The attempts at doing something different in the 90s have some experimental moments that have some high highs and some very lows. And then they brought their uh, their, their first singer back in the aughts 
and just made their best albums. And uh, it's just a really good thrash metal that doesn't take itself too seriously. And we all know about Anthrax, but I don't think a lot of us have ever uh, bothered with them. And I say give them a shot. That's my recommendation. So when, when somebody like you has a has a nice long goatee, um, can you plug your goatee into your stereo like a la Avatar when you listen to Anthrax and uh, just, yes. just jam off the, those goatee vibes? I appreciate it. I downloaded the whole the whole discography into my facial hair. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, Anthrax, I'm, I'm definitely sleeping on. Um, did they who's they partnered up with Run DMC, right? No, they part of a public public enemy. Public you're enemy. Of, you're there thinking of Aerosmith. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it, was all, it was around the same time. Yeah, it was all late eighties, early nineties when they did that. Uh, and, Judgment uh, Night soundtrack, right? Well, the, the fun thing. No, actually, about, not not actually not just a, a, a random single. I bet Anthrax is on the Judgment Night soundtrack, though. But that was a that was a fun thing about Anthrax. You had the big four, which was Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. And Metallica, Megadeth, and Slayer were all very serious. And Anthrax had a sense of humor. They'd write songs about science fiction and comic books, among other things. And they were from the East Coast, and bands from the East Coast just sound different than bands from California. It's true. And uh, it's a different vibe from all those thrash bands. It's, it's good stuff. So uh, give them a shot. Google, Google them what album to check out. I added uh, their discography into my Apple Music, so it'll happen. It'll it, the, the the moment will strike. Yeah, there's you know the the first ten years and the last ten years are great, and in the middle twenty uh, have moments of transcendence and then moments of skip skip it. Happens to the best of us when you're around for uh, forty years. You know, it really does. Uh, I ain't gonna hate. Hey, Shit, we all are all forty years old. So there you are. <laughs> I can think of I can think of decades that I would not blame anybody from skipping in the uh, in the uh, biopic of my life. Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I I I tried to, and you wouldn't let me. <laughs> so here we are. Talk about Run the Jewels fourth album. Run the Jewels four. RTJ four. This is a. Uh, this was released last year in June, I believe. Uh, Run the Jewels has, it is LP, uh, also known as Jamie Moline, and Killer Mike, also known as Michael Renner. They are Run the Jewels. They are both solo artists in their own rights, but this is what they call themselves when they unite their powers. And starting in 2012 or 2013, They've released four records and they released the first three, bam, 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 like over a period of four years. And they took about four years off and released this one. And that's the record we are listening to tonight. Uh, Eric, can you tell us a little bit about these two artists? They're they're just just briefly. We're going to we're going to release another album or I'm sorry. We're going to release another podcast where Eric and I talk way too much about this stuff. But for those people that skip that, because it's going to be a whole lot of remember when bullshit, uh, LP and Killer Mike, what's the brief history of these guys? Right, right, right. So the dynamics of the group are important. We're looking at the history because LP is an MC on a, you know, he shares all vocal duties with, with Killer Mike, but he also produces every track. He has some help. 
um, and we'll get to that, but he, he does the beats for every track and that's kind of where he got his start, right? So if you go back to the, uh, the 90s, uh, he was in Company Flow, uh, where he would produce the beats and, um, and, and he was a rapper. And it's fun to watch his trajectory as a rapper because um, he was just, I mean, if you look at their styles, completely different. LP came from the like backpack wearing, um, like boom bap subway uh, Brooklyn hip hop. Um, uh, and if you listen to how he started, it was more about what he was saying than how he said it. And that will change over the years. He would, it would rapid fire uh, rhyming, um, and he was rapping a lot about, you know, conspiracy theories, um, like, uh, you know, political stuff. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, his own personal, uh, some trauma that he, that he experienced. Um, his beats were always interesting though. Um, they, uh, taking as much from old 808 hip hop as he did from like, um, electronic music. And, um, he always had a, a, a grimy, um, uh, you know, distorted like urban sound to what he was doing. And, um, and then he started the Def Jux rep record label where he went solo. And here you hear, you see him flourish as a producer. Um, you know, his album like Fantastic Damage um, is a absolute masterpiece. We'll talk about that more um, as far as production goes. Um, and he's still coming along as a rapper. And if you follow his three solo albums, you definitely see him where he started. It is not about how he raps. It's about what he raps about. That kind of changes where it's equal, where he develops a flow and a style. And, and he does move a little bit more towards the mainstream in that regards, um, creating a, a little bit more, never, never compromising his style, but creating more of like a, um, uh, you know, having some pop sensibilities. Um, at some point, Def Jux. Yeah, I'd, say, I'd say I'd say that he um, he definitely all the parts and pieces of his original sound are always there to this day on the album we talk about tonight. But he manages to shape them a lot better as, as time goes by and makes them uh, even palatable to mass audiences, as this uh, record will you know testify to. Right, right. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty uh, on all that. And I, you know, I think Steve and I both owe a huge debt um, to the Stony Island uh, podcast uh, as far as what had happened was because season two, they interview LP and it's just um, thick with with information. We're not going to regurgitate all of that, um, but I think you will definitely hear, uh, you know, uh, we are informed by it, we'll say. But Def Jux. And if uh, anybody, honestly, anybody's listening to this tonight. If you are want any more uh, information on what we talk about, go listen to that that podcast series. It's uh, what it, what had happened was by Open Mike Eagle on the uh, Stony is it Stony Records podcast? Uh, Stony Stony Island. Stony Island. We've mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning tonight again because yeah, we're we're giving you an overview, but they 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 talk about everything in depth with uh, the guy that made the music. So it's it's great. Right, right. And so you got LP who's just coming from the absolute underground and really making revolutionary beats and a very good uh, you know, rapper in his own right who's kind of coming into his own and right as he starts adapting some pop sensibilities, Definitive Jux his record label shutters. They um, you know, with the uh, it's kind of the crux between um, physical media not selling as much, but before the streaming services started up. So this kind of, this kind of void where uh, independent record label couldn't really exist. And he shuttered. Um, and, 
And it's at that time that he is teamed up with Killer Mike to produce R.A.P. music. Now, Killer Mike, completely different background, coming from the South. And hip-hop fans will know the South has its own sound. Going back from, like, the Miami base of Two Life Crew to the, um, you know, the Cash Money Millionaires and uh, your your Three Six Mafia, your No Limit Records, um, you, you know, it's gangster rap. It's, you know, it's about money and it's about girls. It's about cars and it's about growing up in the South. But the beats are like very fast, very technotronic, um, very deep bass um, and less sample heavy. And, and in, Mike, his, in his in his case, yeah. specifically, you, you named those uh, collectives. He was from the Dungeon Family Collective, which was, uh, you know, where Outcast came from. Correct. Right. Right. Big boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, Outcast came from Dungeon Family, and his big breakthrough was on the song The Whole World. Which we all know from 2001 um, with Outcast. And probably, you know, during, the, I mean, Outcast would have one more album in them before they shuttered as well. And Killer Mike's uh, verse on that song is is pretty unforgettable. And he would do a series of records, um, uh, solo records after that. Um, and, you know, there, and he definitely is showing himself as a politically conscious uh, rapper who has a very flexible flow. And he never broke uh, big, but he was always on notable people's albums. And you could tell he was he was on the verge for those years. And, um, you know, the difference is, you know, the beats were, you know, he'd have different producers all over those albums. There wasn't a lot of, uh, there was almost like a mixtape quality to, to his records. Um, but he would find cohesion with LP as LP produced RAP music, um, which was, what was that back in 2010, 2011? No, it was, it was, it was 2012. I remember it very specifically because yeah. I listened to it often when I would go to, when I would take Bart to Oakland A's games uh, when they made a playoff run in 2012. So mm, yeah. I'm positive that album came out in 2012. Yeah, and yeah, I remember you sent it my way too, and it just blew my mind because I are, we were already LP fans. And then to hear him do something this mainstream that had like T.I. on it and had Bun B and uh, these Southern rappers, but it just it just fit. And you, your songs like Big Beast and Reagan uh, were just, just absolute pain. We exploit the youth. We tell them to join the gang. We tell them dope stories, introduce them to the gang. Just like Oliver North introduced us to cocaine. In the 80s when them bricks came on military plane. A few months ago, I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true, but the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. The end of the Reagan era, I'm like Lemma 12 old enough to understand the shit that changed forever. They declared a war on drugs, like a war on terror. But what it really did was let the police terrorize whoever. But mostly black boys, but they would call us niggas, and lay us on our belly while they fingers on their triggers. They boots was on our head, they dogs was on our crotches, and they would beat us up if we had diamonds on our watches. And they would take our drugs and monies as they pick our pockets. I guess that that's the privilege of policing for some profit. Killer Mike's rap would go so well without LP's beats. It was it was absolutely inspiring, and um, yeah, and, and they couldn't have come from you know more different places as far as the hip hop spectrum goes. 
Um, but they ended up, you know, obviously liking each other enough to uh, to to join forces. And uh, what started off as maybe like a one-off project with Run the Jewels One, it was kind of a joke. They were playing jokey versions of themselves, like cartoony, like cartoony, like uh, criminal, like <laughs> like giggling hamburglers, giggling as they, you know, robbed a bank or. Eventually, their more political sensibilities would take over as their as their albums would go on. Uh, it's it, not only is it fun to follow their solo careers, but it's fun to follow the the Run the Jewels albums to see their their, their evolution. Yeah, I can't, you know, a happy accident, and it's now overshadowed their solo careers by far. People know about Run the Jewels that don't even know about their solo careers. I mean, they got so big that even, it was a, it had been many years since I, uh, like, we're all, we're all, you know, young music nerds at heart. And we all had a band that we liked that got big when we were, when we were younger, and we'd be like, oh, come on, man, I can't believe that, uh, you know, who, whoever, uh, Uncle Uncle Fun, Fun Times Ragtime Band is on top of the pops. I can't believe this. Uh, it, Run the Jewels got so popular so fast that for a while I got annoyed by it. Like I actually, I let it affect. <laughs> I let it affect my appreciation of the band. It didn't last long, but that's how big they got. Yeah. Eventually, I I, I grew up, even though I was in my thirties, and I was like, well, shit, man, it's great that everybody likes this. You know, quit being a child, Steve. It was. Which I it often. Was a, I, I, I I I you know part of that. Part of that, though, is much like Tool fans. A lot of the fans were just annoying me. And also there is, and I, god damn, I'm not, I can't get too eloquent about it because I guess I'm part of the problem. But as a fan of different styles of rap music, I do, and the Wu-Tang Clan especially, I do often get annoyed when I'm watching black artists and I see way too many white people in the crowd. Eric, I know you've felt this before and we're white guys. <laughs> uh yeah i i know what you're saying and and it's uh you know it's this is like a a, a pretty deep uh genre. yeah we can't we can't we can't and, get into this tonight but yes right right it's a deep genre but it, it, when you're what you're talking about when it's like when it's given the attention like it's going to be a flash in the pan that's that's frustrating um, and it's hard not to be gatekeepers for Run the Jewels when you when you were uh, Def Jux fans and LP fans. I I, I feel you, Steve. I, I understand. When, when, but I, yes, I I got, got like, over my I, I got, got like, over my gate. I got over my gatekeeping. 
and also i mean as far as uh, as far as the discussion of race and music these guys are actually the perfect example of a you know unity so there's that too Run the jewels is for everyone. So yeah, if you want to, if you want to hear more about kind of the, I guess the LP side of things and that, uh, the, uh, the deaf jux, I think it's important. It, it, I think it, it, it's important to appreciating run the jewels, but not necessary. Then definitely check out our, our other B side. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's kind of the long and the short of it. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, Eric and I's fandom pretty much is, it's, it's the same in the early aughts we got an LP and then followed all his stuff and then I, I think I read some Pitchfork reviews about Killer Mike in the late aughts and checked some of his albums out liked them didn't didn't spend uh, whole weekends listening to them but they were good stuff um, the, the Pledge Allegiance to the Grind albums are fun especially uh, that song that has that Ric Flair sample and uh, yeah when they did the R.A.P. music it was just two great tastes that tasted perfect together and I'm glad that they then made four records together uh, I think they've given all of them away for free online Radiohead style. And uh, I, they yeah. probably made more money that way than they would have actually selling them. Yeah. So. That was a, that was a mission statement from day one. LP's like, yeah, we're going to give, we want to give these away. We want to, you know, we want people to come to our shows. We want people to buy the, buy the record, like the vinyl, but we don't want to impede any, any access. They're going to get it anyways. So yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that even goes back to, yeah, you know, the down with gatekeeping, God damn it, to the point where they give the records away. So it's uh, I learned a lesson there and uh, everyone's better for it. Uh, before we get into this album in particular, when it dropped, Mark, what's your uh, what's your your whole gateway into this this group or these these two guys? Surprisingly. I uh, came to the party a little late, and uh, that's usually a uh, a title that is befit for Stephen, Mister Mister Late to the Parties. But it's me on this on this regard. Um, I was always aware of what they were up to. Um, I was always aware of the fact that Killer Mike worked with Outcast, and LP was certainly a uh, very prolific producer when it comes to independent hip hop, uh, certainly around the Def Jux, working in a record store around white suburban kids, you know, who are getting into hip hop and, uh, they also are, uh, into indie rock and whatnot. Uh, LP's usually name. He, he, he comes up. Um, I just never got around to doing it. Kind of how Eric feels about pop music. Hip hop never just felt like my genre, something I can appreciate. Um, but never something that I just really wanted to immerse myself into. Um, so my first real, uh, you know, like, Hey, these guys might be something. It was, um, the song they did with DJ shadow, uh, and the name escapes, uh, nobody speak hell of a song, uh, has like kind of this Western motif. The video is phenomenal. It was off of DJ Shadow's record called, I don't know, something about a mountain. 
Look it up. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, it, it's it's that's good. And you know, DJ Shadow faltered in the middle of his career. I think he's never going to. He's bit. never going to top. He's never going to top introducing. But his last few albums are all really good stuff. I think. I I, I mean I think Private Press is phenomenal. Um, and of course, introducing uh, Outsider definitely got some Bay Area, uh, you know, hyphy rap in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, he never quite touched the high highs of those first two records that he had put out, but that song is fan- uh, fantastic. Uh, nobody speak is great. Um, and then I actually started listening to a little bit more of this, um, per your recommendations, both of you, uh, what really caught my ear and we'll talk about this song as it does fall onto this album is Ooh La La their second track off of RTJ four was featured prominently in the season finale of Ozark season three, a show that me and the wife we got into during the pandemic consumed it. It's very good. Yeah. You got me into that mark. I can't wait for the the final season. Yeah. And uh, how that season finale ends when that song just like kicks in, it's uh, perfect. Perfect. And anyways, uh, that's kind of my uh, dabbling with Run the Jewels. The fact that like seems that Zach De La Roca is always appearing on each of their records is also fun. Uh, I do like yeah, nice. uh, he's, also, he's also a unofficial what third member as LP calls him. Yeah, and and also he's 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 the kind of guy that you know. To, I'm not I'm not calling him up to figure out what music I should listen to, but if he's showing up on someone's album, usually. They, 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 there's a level of quality there. Yeah. So tell us more. Should we get right into the record or uh, is there more uh, history I, I, to uncover? Uh, there, you know, I, I do want to mention that uh, I really actually appreciated when they released this album because it was, in the, it was right when the shit started going down last year. We, we were starting to stay at home, but we started to be like, oh, fuck, we're going to stay at home all year. And uh, they, on their previous album, they jumped the street date. Uh, it was supposed to come out uh, some sort sometime in Q1, and they released it on Christmas Eve for fun. On this one, they wanted to release it early, but they had like a major label that was behind it for promotion, so they had to get permission because you don't want to, you know, fuck over everybody in marketing and everything. And they did, and so they ended up, even though they canceled their tour with Run the um, Rage Against the Machine, which I had tickets for, and they're you know a lot of the a lot of artists last year put their albums on hold because they didn't want to waste material on something they couldn't tour for, especially in this climate where you don't make a whole lot of money off a new record. You make a money off touring, but uh, they, they still released it. And I, I don't remember a lot of new albums coming out last year, but this is definitely one of them. And I listened to the shit out of it. And I, I, I appreciate that they put it out. It was nice to have a new record by artists. I appreciate in a, uncertain and unprecedented time as many many radio ads will tell you we were in well it wasn't just the pandemic it was it was like less than a week after the george floyd um protests started and i mean the country was kind of kind of on fire rightfully so um we still kind of are literally yeah no no no. (laughs) we literally are but you know socially we were um and uh at the time when it came out and we'll get to it, there was some, some interesting coincidences. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Some sad coincidences informed this record. And that's true. Yeah. It wasn't just, it wasn't just the pandemic actually even more. So all of the protests going on, 
Um, I wouldn't say this is a soundtrack to it. That would be uh, trivial and flippant to something that was very important. But it, you know, it, it definitely seemed to be coming out at the right time. And many critics agreed it was coming out at the right time. This album was universally praised. There's you've got four stars, five stars from Rolling Stone and Enemy. Legit uh, websites and magazines all thought it was great. A lean, mean, rapping machine, this record. And it appeared on many best of the year uh, lists. There's just not many people found much fault with this record. Jay Sherman said it's great. He saw it twice. And uh, yeah, all that aside, let's talk about the record itself. It opens up with track one, which is Yankee and the Brave, episode four. On Yankee and the Brave. Back at it like a crack addict, Mr. Black Magic, crack a bitch back, power crack a craft magic, big daddy smoking big, tally in a black, alley in a black, granddaddy rolling down, old natty how, napping Maddie as a black, granddaddy all back, no capping fat black, both captain state floating, no flapping wave runner, I'm a gunner, I'm a hanging block, hot as a sauna all summer, and I that was a little bit of Yankee and the Brave, episode four, the opening track off this Run the Jewels record. First time I heard this song was during an Instagram Live video where it was during the pandemic. LP was wearing a robe and high as shit, and he was FaceTiming with Killer Mike. It was before the album came out, obviously. And they kept trying to play it live for everyone. And, uh, you know, the guy's been producing records for like 25 years. He couldn't figure out how to get it right. And it took them about a half an hour in order to make it so people could actually hear the music. Um, shenanigans ensued, but eventually I was able to hear a very tinny, distant version of this playing from a laptop speaker in someone's apartment through my phone on Instagram Live, which is about the same quality I used to get when uh, Mark and I would hunt down snippets of uh, the Fragile songs before they came out back in 1998. Uh, so yeah, that was, that's the opening track on this one. And I think it hits the ground running. <clears throat> Eric, wake up. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm here. I wasn't sure. I can miss it. If I get stomping my foot twice, looking at you. <laughs> All right. All righty. So what you have here is Yankee and the brave. Uh, the scratching on this is track star. Um, the, it, it, it starts with a narration and this is kind of this premise LP has said in, in, in an interview, uh, he couldn't just do a straight album. There had to be a joke in there somewhere. And that's this, this kind of, it's not even a theme. It only happens really twice in this album, but that it's, uh, it's like, a it's like their own Dukes of Hazard. Uh, him well, and, there's, him, there's, there's, there's bits of humor all over this album, but yeah, oh, this, yeah. this oh, only yeah. comes up yeah. twice. Yeah, but this is being like this joke that it's like they're Dukes of Hazard, The Yankee and the Brave, Yankee being LP from New York, the Brave being Killer Mike from Atlanta, uh, based on the, obviously the baseball teams. And um, uh, there's a narration, uh, I think, by David Ferguson, although later in the album we get it, we get it by uh, somebody, um, a musician, that, uh, an interesting musician choice, but, uh, you know, introducing us to uh, the, the Yankee and the Brave that are, um, you know, uh, uh, best friends and worst enemies that get themselves in all sorts of trouble. And, uh, the song, it, it's a boast rap. 
um, it is about getting into trouble. It is about to lighten the block on fire and then, you know, running, running from the police. Um, uh, it's, it, it, it's genius how they can do it. Like with a premise like that, where they're kind of making this like rap version of Dukes, Dukes of Hazard, but also kind of tie it into something a little more deep. Like killer Mike has this, this, uh, this chunk of, of lyrics where he's like, I got one round left, a hundred cops outside. I could shoot them or put one between my eyes, choose the latter. It don't matter. It ain't suicide. If the news say it was, that's a goddamn lie. I can't let the pigs kill me. I got too much pride. Um, and it, uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, you know, uh, if you follow the, the songs on here, it, there is like a sliding scale where it starts a little bit more lighthearted. And, uh, like I said, boast raps, um, which is kind of your more like typical hip hop lyrics. And then it, it kind of slides and there's a kind of a point of no return where, where it goes into some deep social issues, not quite there yet on this song. Um, but they, they do dabble in, in, in some of the deeper stuff like that last line I said, um, but uh, it, it's a short song. It's it's got probably the simplest beat on the whole album. A lot of clack 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 drums. Um, song wise, this one doesn't stand out to me as much as pretty much anything else on here. Um, but it is a fun way to open, and it, and it certainly uh, keeps the pace up. And that's what I've got to say about this one, uh, Mark. Yes, sorry. Um, I agree. Good opener. I like the, uh, previously on, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun little thing, especially for a fourth record. Uh, definitely makes a little bit of a sense of humor, despite, I would say that it's not all a boast rap kind of thing. I think that they are certainly saying something about, uh, the police that was really out in force. This is almost reminiscent of uh, what was going to happen that June, because a lot of this album was actually released before the events of George Floyd, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, yeah, it had to well, be. Guys, it, was, it was recorded before that happened. Um, Absolutely. And this yeah. album was released like probably a week or two after things were really starting to heat up, you know? Um, but sounds like two fugitives on the lam uh, to kind of that point earlier that you both were making that they're hamburglers that are uh, kidnapping dogs. Um, but they're kind of holed up in this little hideout against this racist police force. Killer Mike, you know, uh, has that lyric that puts one between the eyes, essentially saying it wouldn't necessarily be suicide because they're going to kill him anyways. So he might as well do it himself. Um, it's a uh, got some really excellent production work. Well, maybe minimal in terms of the hooks. That's one thing about Run the Jewels, and especially around LP in particular. Um, the hooks, you kind of have to go and search for them. There's a lot of production in there, uh, but his lyrical style doesn't really give you um, the sing-along choruses a lot of times, at least in, in my opinion. Um, Killer Mike, though, definitely has a really good flow. 
Uh, really reminds me of what you would find with the Dungeon Family down in uh, Big Boy Land. And uh, Andre 3000, he... That Southern rap, which is a little different than what I would say is... You know, like a Nelly, who's up from St. Louis, but that's completely different. But yeah, good song, Yankee and the Brave. I, I, I enjoy it. It's not my favorite song on the record, but I like what's going on here. I've already been indoctrinated when, by the time that I started listening to RTJ4. Uh, listening to the first three records, it got me prepared uh, for what their style is all about and just the, the, the combination of the two of them together. So not really painting outside the realm of what they normally do. And that's okay with me. It sounds completely different than anything else out there. Yeah. And then unfortunately, uh, yeah, George Floyd died on uh, May 25th. Exactly. And this album came out like uh, two weeks, uh, less than two weeks later. Um, yep. Yeah. Sad, sad that some themes in here just show that so much of it is repetitive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this, yeah, you know, to, to both your guys' points, I mean, this, this track definitely does set the table of the them being, you know, brothers of some sort, and uh, the just the, the the song's all about their chemistry, and it, it's, it's what I like about this group is that chemistry of this nature cannot be cooked up in a lab or a corporate boardroom. It was extremely accidental that these guys got together. I they both already had careers that uh, had a, a peak and. You know, they were in their late thirties when they got together. And that's usually not when you start becoming, you know, you don't get your most, if you're a musician, your late thirties, you're not going to get as popular as you're ever going to get. And they managed to unite. It all clicked and uh, they were off to the races. And I think you see a lot of that in this song. Uh, you can sense that, that, that sense of brotherhood between the two of them. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a great, Great opening track for this record. It's it starts off like a battering ram with that like machine gun beat, and uh, it's almost uh, pummeling. But uh, the the trade off the two of them have between you know back and forth, and they do they do it all the time. They're great at it. But uh, on this album, they manage to have their verses go back and forth on some tracks where it's just relentless, and you're impressed by how. Uh, aggressive they can both be one after the next and i think you see that on this track um I, and i think also yeah this set this does have a sense of humor to it but it does start to set the stage for this record which uh th these themes are in both of their careers back to the first albums they've done a lot of anti-authority stuff going on you, you see that definitely on, on on this track though with the uh you know it's a it's a scammer's bliss when you're putting villains in charge of shit. All of us are targeted. All we're doing is arguing. Pardon, pardon them as they work until every pocket's been picked and soul has been harvested. I'm ready to mob on these fucking charlatans. Hmm. And I'm like, yep, there you go. It's kind of a, a mission statement for what's going on here. Is it a, uh, while everybody's fighting each other, the, uh, the corporations or the, uh, the overlords are getting away with uh, murder and robbing us blind. And these, these two are trying to fight the good fight. You definitely one, one, get that, that vibe from this track. One thing I like about their back and forth and they do it throughout this album is um, it's not like their verses were recorded in a void. A lot of times on rap albums, like, you know, when somebody's verse comes up, who knows when it was recorded maybe they bought the verse off the rapper, you know, and, and then recorded a song around it. But what they do is 
they'll often reference lines that the other person said in their verse. And there's yes. like a, there's like a yes. thematic cohesiveness to it, which is just unbeatable. It's just, it's just really good crafting. It definitely a no, very good point. Now they're definitely a group. They are a pair. They go together. They are not just guest starring on an album together. So that gets us into my favorite track twos, which I also think could be track ones, which is Ooh La La. Looking for M's like I lost a friend. Jump out of my bed like where the bread. You go hold the egg. Way to bring the check. When we talk, we collision the car. Keep us in your thoughts. Fully dressed at the crack of dawn. Weapons heading off. I can hear them from the block. See them creeping through the fog. Season's greetings, not feeding season can start. Oh my God. Look alive. Looking like I live life on a crooked line. Doing fine. You want maximum stupid. I am the guy. First of all, fuck the fucking law. We is fucking raw. Stay top top. Oysters on the half jail. Sushi ball. Like a bitch and the pussy feet. Still fuck the wall. I'm a dog. I'm a dirty dog. Ha 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 ha. Oh, dirty bastard. Go in your jaw. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all. Got the simmy in the hemi. Go and gimme, gimme, y'all. Pugilistic, my linguistics. RJ Ruler damage, y'all. And I rap it pornographic. He set up the camera. So that was some of Ooh La La, which had a video release for it ahead of the album. Uh, the video is, uh, Eric's quoted it as being joyous which was filmed pre-pandemic, obviously, because there's a lot of people in the video. And during this time when music videos were coming out for albums, you started to notice they were almost all of them animated in some sort, either claymation, uh, flash animation, whatever. Even some of the, uh, most of like two of the videos off this album were animated. Um, But this one had a group of people in uh, somewhere in New York just burning piles of money in dancing and it's just a good old time and they uh they might have been influenced by christopher nolan as well but before i discuss why i think they were influenced by that director mark ooh la la ooh la la um so what i said about the last track about not really having many hooks uh, this one uh, delivers that uh, with uh, room to spare. A lot of hooks on this particular track. Um, I would say that if you're looking for a fourth quadrant song off this record, this is probably going to be the one. Um, and you know, when I looked, when I said it earlier about the Ozark uh, uh, show from Netflix, I actually had I was like, I'm sure that there, this has been used at least four other times on some other soundtrack. I could only find it on a Superman and Lois show, and that was it. Um, so, music supervisors, get to work. It's a, it's a good song. Use it anywhere and everywhere. Um, the video itself, which I watched right before uh, recording tonight again, it's, it is it is a good time. Uh, you got Killer Mike wearing a jacket that features the Joy Division unknown pleasures logo you've got uh lp kind of looking like he would be the younger brother of philip seymour hoffman um you've got money being set on fire you've got zach de la roca just walking around it's a good video 
He's like not even on the song. Yeah, he's not even on the song. He's just walking around. I'm just walking around. But getting to that, you know, that that is it is important to talk about the image of these two guys together. I mean, you've got a very large, tall, and big man in Killer Mike, big big black man. Um, and you've got LP, some guy, you know, from from the somewhere in New York. That's a he's redheaded. Uh, he just looks like a smart ass. He looks, he just looks like a smart ass. And that's, that's these two together. When you see him on stage together, you'd be like, I don't know if that works. Then you listen to him and it does work. And this video definitely uh, visualizes that camaraderie that the two have. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, it, it is catchy. I mean, it's going to, that piano, that piano uh, bit is going to get stuck in your head and the ooh la la, which Eric, I'm sure you're going to know this. I don't think it's a sample. I think it's a recreation from something Greg Nice did before, right? Or am I wrong? Right. So uh, Greg Nice is a rapper that was part of the duo Nice and Smooth, and they did a song with Gangstar um, called D-W-Y-C-K, Dwick. And uh, they're right there in the first minute is Greg Nice's verse. And he, yeah, he does a ooh, la, la, ah, wee, wee. And I think they do sample that. Um, but, okay. um, well, but he's actually yeah, they, on the song too. He's on the song too. So, right. Nice. So, yeah, right. So I think he even, re- I think you're right about like a recreation. Um, it says it contains a sample. So like, other than like maybe scratching the original and then they're, they're wrapping over it. I can't exactly tell how they're doing it. And he, and LP was cagey about that in the interview, but, um, it's certainly that line. Well, and- he did, he did say that, you know, there's been a lot of times where they wanted to sample stuff and this is the first sample they could really afford. So they did say there is the sample of the original songs in there, but they got some of the original artists to be involved in the song too, which I think is cool. Yeah. I'm a big fan of this song. Um, What you got, what what really just kills it for me is that piano loop. Don't, 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 don't like, it's like almost like a little ragtime thing, but loop the whole time. Yeah. In hip hop. And I'm talking like, like, like boom bap, like, backpack hip hop. If you get a good piano sample, you're you're gold. I mean, think of like Cream by Wu-Tang. I mean, this is like that's the key. And and it's few and far between, but if you've got a good piano loop, you are you're solid. And this this song is built around it and it's it is just infectious. I I do like it a lot. Um they both have great verses. Like they are both on fire on this. They're they're showing off like they knew this was going to be the big hit off the album. Um, uh, uh, killer Mike, uh, references my boy ODB with, uh, you know, old dirty bastard go in your jaw, shimmy, shimmy, y'all got the semi and the hemi going, gimme, gimme y'all. Um, and then, uh, LP has got the best line though. Like I'm afraid of nothing, but nothing missing. It's something. Um, it's, it's yes. kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, uh, it's like, you know, the, the, uh, the Joker taking over Arkham. It's, uh, it is. Well, I mean, you, you're bringing that up. Killer Mike has that line. I used to love Bruce, but now yeah, it's something to the effect exactly. of like, I used to love Bruce, but now more, but now more me Vita Loca, more of a Joker. Yeah. And then yeah. in the video, you've got them burning the money, which is in like dark night where, uh, uh, the, the Joker just, you know, wants to watch the world burn. He just lights the money on fire. Exactly. So, exactly. And it's, it's, all, that- it's all tied together, man. As our friend Sarab would say. It's, it's that party. It's that party when anarchy is embraced and maybe bad things will happen after and probably bad things happen before. But in that one moment when you're embracing anarchy, it's that kind of 
hedonistic party and and uh and and, and freedom freedom from like capitalism uh comes up a little bit in the song um it's a blast it's 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 a lot of fun and again you know prescient because they filmed this before things really got tense last year and uh i'm not gonna say that you know many of the protests that we saw when i you know it's crazy. I still don't think we've processed the last or the last year. We just saw constant protests throughout the majority of the year. It's inc- it's incredible. It uh, it uh, it's it's wild. But um, you know, the, there there wasn't a joyousness to a lot of those pro- protests. But that uh, that spirit of rebellion definitely was in this video that you saw across the country. Um. Yeah, I I I think his song's great. I've listened to it so 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 many times. It's uh, it gets stuck in your head, and uh, yeah, you know the, the the verses that Eric brought up, I just think are great. And I, I think that the uh, DJ Premier scratching that closes it is great. It's like a traditional kind of like little scratch piece, but at the same time, it's got a little bit of like LP like grittiness on top of what uh, DJ Premier is doing. Right. And you know, what's cool and about the, DJ premier is he was part of Gangstar. So in addition yes. to having Greg nice, it's like, it's, it's all full circle with that original track. And also Gangstar, who I saw with rage against the machine at Arco arena. And I've told both of you this before, but I love the fact that they brought out a couch and there was a dude that just sat on a couch and he got up at one point and he had a sickle on a chain and he just like swung it around and then sat back down on the couch. So I don't know how it all tied together. You expect to see some of that more at a, at a man of war show, but, uh, that's, that was a gangstar in, in Sacramento. So good. Also sounds time. like something Andrew Lloyd Webber would do. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> I think, I think if oh, I was a man, if I, in, in the late nineties, if I was a rap artist opening up for a rock band in Sacramento, I probably would bring a weapon with me on stage, at least at Arco Arena. Um, simple mind. It's a dog pound. It's a dog yep. pound. And- <laughs> <laughs> that gets us uh, to, to track three, Out of Sight, featuring our friend 2 Chain. Motivating, devastating, captivating, ghost and ray relating, product of the fucking 80s, coke, dealing babies, never regulating, bag accumulating, it would not be overstating to say they are underrated, proud of Brooklyn and the Grady, baby, we don't need no compliments or confidence, our attitude and latitude is fucking big, summer leather, bummer, stupid, you broke, smoking in the ain't a team as mean and clean as Jay Malene and Michael Winderbrook, TV got no temperature, even if it did, bitch, we cool as penguin pussy on the polar cap peninsula, colder than your baby mama hard, cause she find out you been fucking with you know, Out of Sight has one of my favorite hays from LP. And LP is a master of the hay. Uh, a good hay is uh, something that you can have in your arsenal in uh, the rap genre. If you're good at it, if you could drop a hay and manipulate it, uh, you're, 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 that's almost as good as a good piano, piano hook. Wouldn't you say, Eric? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's actually a good there's a good hey and uh, in the last track as well, but in this one there's a, a hey that he he's he shouts out and then he manages to have it like echo into infinity and it's great and it kind of sets the tone for this uh, this song which is kind of herky jerky kind of disorienting I still find it very catchy what do you think about it? 
Right. Yeah. This Eric. is a fun. This is a fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is a fun track. Um, so first of all, uh, you got the beat. The beat samples a song called Misdemeanor, um, written by Leon Silvers the Third, but performed by Foster Silvers. I'd probably the same person. Um, I actually have no idea who that is, and I don't know the original song, but I do know that the sample is the the choppy like vocal cut up that goes high, low, high, low over the beat. Um, and it, it, it is fun. And, and LP is pretty good at that. He did it on that, um, that's, uh, close your eyes and count to, to fuck as well. Where is it now? Is that samples that also that what you're going to do part? Is that sampled from the same thing? Yeah. That, what you're going right. to do, which, okay. It's from that same yeah. song. All right. And, uh, LP is great at taking a vocal sample and making that part of the beat. Um, we're making the, just another instrument. Um, and, uh, uh, so this one's kind of fun. Um, you know, not necessarily a lot to it. This is definitely more in the, uh, in the boast rhymes and, and, um, you know, talking about, uh, who you are, but there's a little rebellion under there. Um, I do like when Mike, uh, says, you know, uh, we motivating, devastating, captivating ghost and Ray relating product of the fucking eighties. Uh, when, when run the jewels first started, uh, the first album, uh, LP thought it might be another solo album, but it would be like, uh, like how, like, it would be like Rayquan featuring Ghostface, uh, you know, um, only built for Cuban links, which was like a thing that they would do. Like it would be one of their albums. It would either be Ghostface or Rayquan's album from Wu-Tang, but the other one would always be the featured guest artist and be on almost every song. And that was originally going to be their approach to, to, to what would become run the jewels. And I, and I think it's a good, um, you know, a good, uh, allegory, I guess, not, uh, what am I looking for? Well, it doesn't matter. Um, and, aren't you, uh, aren't you part of the education system? Jesus. Yeah. Man, it's not on. an allegory. It's not an allegory. It's an L. Uh, yeah, fuck it. It's a, you know, anyways, good reference. And, um, anyways, I like that. And two chains. I don't know if you guys, you know, give two thoughts to two chains. Two chains is interesting. I never, uh, I'm, listened- I mean, I'm familiar, I'm familiar with him. I, right. I heard a couple songs. I've never listened to his albums, but I tend to I, I tend to respect him because he he does show up on interesting people's records. Um, he doesn't just do like he definitely came from like the Kanye, Good Friday, like world of mainstream rap, um, and a lot of his contemporaries just do not do anything for me. Um, I do like his verse. Uh, actually, I would say. If you guys have ever watched the video for uh, Two Chain Song, um, like what all I want for my birthday is a big booty hoe, it is a great video, <laughs> and maybe the last time Kanye showed up in anything where that was kind of cool. And uh, I, I recommend you watching that video if you haven't seen it; it's pretty fun. Um, but anyways, Two Chain's verse is great on this song. He's got the, one of the best lines on the album. <laughs> which oh, Steve, you're gonna steal it. You're gonna steal yeah, it from you say me, it, Steve. I'm gonna let yeah. you say it. I just wanted to say I agree that it's one of the best lines on the album. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll say it. I'd buy a hot dog stand if I'm trying to be Tell frank. Trying to be frank. <laughs> I buy a hot dog stand if I'm trying to be frank. Just left the hospital making sure my nigga was straight. And <laughs> yeah, if I can be frank, yeah, it's so so good. It's poetry. So good. Yeah, so good. Uh, and I love it. Like, what kind of mainstream rapper is going to throw a line like that in a song? It's so fucking good. I love it. So this is a fun little track three. It's not going to be necessarily one of your more memorables, but it you're going to have fun while you listen to it. Mark. Uh, t- 
Oh, sorry, uh, Steve. Go on. Yeah, it's fine. The to your to your point here about uh, you know the lyrics aren't you know they're very deep. They're not, but this one does have some of the most. Uh, some of the verses have deliveries that again are very relentless and breathless, and I I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, just well, they I- just keep they keep going and going and going and going. And you wonder if they're going to take a breath or turn blue in the face. They've got a couple well, of those in here, which is awesome. There is a structure to this album where it starts and the lyric, the first few songs have moments of depth with a bunch of like, like I said, boast rhymes and like more surface level stuff, but they're, they're still quality lyrics. It's just that they don't get to the deep. Like there is a, there is a point of no return. Like I, like I'll talk about when it comes up and, and uh, everything before that, I, I do like that it's structured that way. And it, it, it definitely brings you in as more of like a fun time album until it's not anymore. It still stays fun, but you, you get what I'm saying. Um, and uh, and there's 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 a rebellion under the surface. Um, but anyways. Yeah, this song is uh, kind of proof that they're not all just a political band or an activist band trying to uh, upset the apple cart of the patriarchy, the monarchy, the hierarchy, all that good stuff. Uh, this is kind of more of a traditional hip hop song where uh, they essentially talk about guns and uh, it's not really saying much, just, you know, getting high, staying cool and just getting success by grinding, I guess, in a certain, there's a little bit of humor here. Uh, it does not meant to be like, you know, we're not just a political hip hop duo. Um Especially if you're coming out of this out of nowhere, like who are these guys? Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. It's not my favorite song on the, off the record. And speaking of latter day DJ Shadow Records, that beat kind of reminds me of something you would find on one of his latter records. I can see that it's very, very dirty and grindy and crunchy. Yeah, um, he does that well, and he definitely does that more in his more recent records. Um, and a lot of L, you know, old school LP is very dirty and crunchy and grimy, so it, it works. That's interesting though; is it's dirty and crunchy and grimy, but it still could be like a danceable, like stripper track. This song, uh, it's got a beat to it that you can you could bounce to, if you will. And uh, speaking to the subject matter of it, I mean, yeah, it it is not the deepest of songs. And then the video, you know, has a bunch of uh, limeys trying to break into some kind of mansion that has. Uh, two chains LP and killer Mike's uh, expensive art. And they end up sticking a, like a jewel in their mouth and getting high and flying through time. It's a uh, very, very silly. Yeah. Those are the guys um, from that, uh, that Amazon prime movie. Like there was a, about what are the guys that are like walking through the woods? You know what I'm, I don't know. Maybe not. They're, they're all from nope. this movie. It came out at the same time as this movie. Get duked, get duked. Anyways, get duked. That's where those kids are from. Mark, did you get duped when you holy clamafucked? Sure did. Uh, so, uh, holy calamifuck. It's something that you would almost uh, yell to yourself as you're falling down some stairs. Um, 
<laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me go get that sample from the further down the spiral and put that in. Right <laughs> there. Holy God, fuck. Um, so this song is essentially two songs in one. It's uh, you get you know a twofer on this one. It's quite a deal. The beginning of the track, you know, you get some of that grime, uh, and then in that second half, things get real moody. Mm-hmm. You got some underlying synths, a keyboard line, uh, a absolutely big, big fan. I would love to just have Killer Mike uh, pronounce the word ambulances, ambulances. <laughs> <laughs> I love that pronunciation of that word. It is like mm, fine wine. It just he rolls actually, around in my ears. He really, he really has his deliveries are just, you know, there's solo instrumental albums out there, beats, but I could I could listen to just uh, solo acapella albums of him rapping quite a bit. He has a yeah. He doesn't, you know, he has a good command of the English language. He doesn't get crazy and come up with like words you got to look up. But he, he's never boring. But yeah, his deliveries typically he knows how to just make things sound tasty. It's it's a good it's a talent. Yeah, and and trying to like parse through some of the the lyrical content here. Um, they definitely are essentially just using ways to describe like themselves and their style. That's what I was getting out of here. Um, I mean, I think that it's great. Um, but I, I couldn't, I I kept reading and reading and looking on like song meanings and genius and whatnot. Um, and I really couldn't come up with really anything of what they're trying to say here besides like how they're. Uh, kind of talking about themselves, but not in a boastful way. I don't know. Well, actually, I think that, you know, uh, as far as the Killer Mike side goes, and he does this quite a bit on this record, or actually on a lot of their albums, or his albums. It's interesting. I, I think that he definitely, there's a split between a guy that when he was younger, definitely was buying more into the grime time rap game side of things. And as he got older and matured, he realized, oh, that's not, you know, the best thing in the world. And I'm much more passionate about uh, trying to make uh, the world a better place, but also not losing what makes me me, I suppose. And uh, there's a song later on this record that I think touches on this better. But on this one, uh, not not when he's talking about himself is like Mike Myers. Um, but. I think there's some, some bits towards the end where he talks about like who he was as a kid, who he grew up to be and who he thinks he is now. And, um, there's some self-reflection going on here. Uh, definitely. Uh, and I don't think boastfulness it, it is it. I think it's just, uh, you know, looking at, looking at what you really are. I don't know. It's, yeah. Uh, I, I don't, they don't, they never come across as boastful. At least, I mean, sometimes they do because that's just part of hip hop, right? It's just look at me, you know, I'm baddest and the biggest kind of kind of deal here. But yeah. they do it in a way that is like what you had mentioned, more self reflective, more about like their past and how they got to be where they where they're at now. And it wasn't exactly just a easy rocket ship ride to success. I mean, I wouldn't say that Run the Jewels, Killer Mike, LP are household names like some of other hip hop, like Snoop Dogg, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, if your mom knows who Snoop Dogg is, you know, like that's a testament to how successful that they kind of are. They're a household name. Well, um, let's, but- yeah, I'm th- like, let, let's actually pull up the lyrics right here. And the one that was making me think about it is that, uh, you know, 
Uh, one time in the big old South lived a little chubby kid with a big old mouth. Lame riders gave him big old doubts. Now the same little boy is in a big old house. Uh, look at him now in the big old cars and the same folk hated. Hey, big homage. Can't even word it like he does. You know, one one minute left me candid. Used to stand by the garbage can hand to hand in. Uh, you know, basically talking about how, you know, when he was a kid, he was told you're not going to be much. And he made something out of himself, but he still doesn't forget what it was like living hand to mouth. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys are spot on on the lyric content. Um, there's a little stuff, you know, in there about how, uh, you know, Killer Mike found success later in life and kind of like that whole, uh, you know, don't give, you know, if you're not, if you're not young and top of the charts, don't give up that kind of, that kind of, uh, approach. Um, uh, he does some reflecting on modern rap, you know, like the dumb trap shit, no proper planning, it's the ignorant shit like geekers dancing and rappers rap like it's so romantic, but I can't help but seem to escape the panic PTSD streets to damage, like kind of talking about how, you guys like, you know, rap about the gangster lifestyle like it's, uh, you know, like uh, you're glorifying it. But that shit fucked me up. Like, that's kind of what what his kind of approach is. Um, I also like and I had to dig on this, uh, dig into this a little bit. But LP has a little thing where he calls himself the decider. And uh, there was a and I looked into it. It's a reference to the George W. Bush era. And he he will reference that a lot like that area of era of politics, I think, got under. LP skin and he's he's referencing it very frequently um and uh he uh, the decider is uh George W Bush called himself the decider I am the decider I decide what's best and what's best is for Don Rumsfeld to remain the secretary of defense <laughs> uh you know uh you know re- rest in peace uh rummy I suppose or pieces right uh uh anyways um he does say, if you hate run the jewels, you don't love the troops, which is that whole like with us or against us, which is also kind of calls back the George W era, which I, I appreciate. Um, but this song just beat wise, composition wise is a masterpiece. If you're just if you just listen to the music, you are going to be uh, taken on this 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 journey. And um, it starts no samples, uh, all, all live, live music. Um, Cuddy ranks is a dance hall musician from Jamaica and he does a, um, he plays a lot of, there's this, uh, auxiliary percussion that happens a few times throughout the track. The first half it happens. And then a little bit later, there's these like echoey stick percussions that happen, which are yeah, really that's cool. Not, you know, that's, that's funny. You mentioned that I, in my, in my notes, I put that like some of this song sounds like it's in the middle of like the, the Terminator, like a Terminator two warehouse, uh, there's right like clangs with a good echo effect on them it's just oh, it's right it's great yeah yeah, yeah. and uh so so cuddy ranks is doing some of this hand percussion throughout it and then um theron uptown ap thomas is from this um this uh duo this vocal duo from the virgin islands and i think he does like the uh fire um uh in there and that's I, like i love the uh the dance hall snippets uh, throughout this. And th- like I said, they're not samples. They're original for the song. And um, they just add a really cool atmosphere to it. Uh, and uh, also uh, somebody named uh, Gary Porritt does the Jamaican drums also. Um, and then believe it or not, Dave Satek uh, is not credited as a musician, but helped write the song. 
And I could not find any information on the details of that, but he is listed as a writer on this song. Slap a yapper from the Andy to the two bone fiber. I'm liver, dark crime designer, criminal minded. And I'm a born and bred Uso who chopped and screwed truth up. Think I got a case of the Mondays on Hell, one for mayhem, two for mischief. Now aim for the drones in the zoning district. Hit them, burn them, get them, burn them. Can't get the ghost up, no resistance. Pass the shit, Mike, I have to assist it. Reality sucks, thick house, that for wisdom. Lick the toe back like delicious. Time fairly, so, uh, fairly certain that uh, he worked with LP on a previous record. Well, LP produced uh, TV on the radio, like, or, or did a, um, sorry, I'm sorry, did a remix of TV on the radio. And they are, they are Brooklyn friends. Uh, according to LP, so I mean, they, they, they. I'm sure they've collaborated more, even more than that. But uh, Dave Sadek, you know, helped out on this on this track. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, and you're right. Like at, at about the actually at about the one third part of the song, it switches to kind of a more menacing, um, more uh, atmospheric beat. Um, it's where the drums switch from like hand drums to like a woodblock almost, um, like you said, like almost like a factory sound um, that kind of echoes and, and adds like it's a nice and reverby. And then towards the end, Killer Mike's last verse, there was like this synth that almost mimics like big swooping horns, like when the elephants and Lord of the Rings show up <laughs> and uh, uh, towards the end. And it just becomes this epic track and uh, just... From a composition standpoint, it is breathtaking. This is a very cool song. I'm sorry, I talked a lot about it. That's all I gotta say. But holy shit! No, we want we want to talk much about things. It uh, shows that you're passionate about it, and I agree. Like Mark said, it's two different. It's two songs in one. The second half is just incredible, and has a really good sense of place. A few songs in this album have a really good sense of place, and definitely the second half of this. Uh, you feel like you're seeing them put it all together, even though it's it's dark, it's hot, it's sweaty, but you can see them putting it together. Well, that second half of this this song is like same song but completely different time zone. It's uh, really awesome though. It's, uh, this, this this song's great, and yeah, I, I really like that last verse that uh, Killer Mike has as well. Just just talking about how the world shaped him, and uh, he'll touch on that a few times. Good song. And uh, the song is good. Probably not as good as if we actually got a movie about the Goonies versus E.T. If the Goonies were to fight E.T., I think E.T. would win. Uh, they, uh, you know, they would probably try to take all the Reese's Pieces away. He would turn white and fall over in front of them and horrify them because they were all children. And when I was a child and I watched E.T., that scene where it showed him white and pale and sick horrified me. And I don't know if that was the point of it. it the same thing to my kids when I showed it to them. And I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot how fucked up this is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, but at least now, you know, the, the, all the cops had walkie-talkies instead of guns. So it's all going to work out. <laughs> Fuck you 
Oh God, another planet on stash. Far from the fact that the flames are all trash. That is not slow, it is ash. And you gotta know the past. Gotta rap, it's a love of mad, but I promise. Maybe if I had another chance, I would give another chance to you. If I make another wish, I'll wish for a wish for you. Put the brass on the magic lamps, damn near rub through. through. Hey. Wish at the wish at the wish at the wish of the chances are that none not coming true. Speaking of the biggest Goonie I know, Eric, what do you think of this track? This is a great track. Um, much like the last one, LP prides himself on how many beats happen in this particular particular uh, one. And I guess that that maybe gives it a little herky, herky-jerky value to it. Um, it starts uh, a little atmospheric and then ends up like a little like old-school breakbeat. Um, what was it? The uh, What was that breakbeat that we kept talking about? Uh, when we talked about like David Bowie drum and bass, like the anyways, there that there's something very similar oh, that, that happens. The, in the, 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 the amen, the amen break. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. The boom, boom, kuh, 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 kuh. Like they, there's a little of that later in this song. Um, it, yeah, I'll, it, I'll, it, I'll talk. Just, I'll talk all about that. Yeah, yeah. It just sounds like somebody throwing down a cardboard box to to, to spin on your lips. Um, it's it, there's a lot of there's a lot going on in the beat of this song. Um, there's also a little saxophone by Stuart Bogey, who's, I guess, a, a Brooklyn jazz guy. And uh, Cutmaster Swift is doing the scratches. Um, the theme of this song is kind of interesting. It really is about um, about just the, uh, the social media and, like, what it's done. Um, yes, to rappers and the music industry, but just to people in general. Just this kind of fake, fake reality. Um uh like uh, lp says something like amazing ain't it how we made it and didn't fake it life's a disguise the truth is butt naked and then uh i think i think killer mike says like um you've been hypnotized by and twitterized by silly, silly guys cues the evening news make sure you ill advise just kind of like like uh it's hard to really make change when everything's little sound bites and people are just retweeting and 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 all that kind of thing and just just the the layers of, of fakeness that, that social media adds. Um, but yeah, I mean, there it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun song. Initially this one stood out to me as just another pretty impressive composition. There's a lot of beats going on. Um, some great horn work when LP takes over and, uh, the, uh, the hook is, is fun. Uh, it's, uh, the, it's a whole genie related. Like if I had another wish, I would, I'd wish for another wish for you. Um, with a little low, low effect on the voice. Um, yeah. So, uh, this is, this is a good one. Like I said, it jumped out to me initially as a, as a highlight. You know, it's funny. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the attempt at making like the hook with that voice, that's a pet peeve of mine in hip hop. Actually, I don't like it when there's hyper processed vocals that are either super, super slowed down or super, super sped up chick monk style. I don't like it. And, this is coming from a guy that listens to a lot of ridiculous metal book with like cookie monster vocals that I can tolerate. <clears throat> but for some reason, hyper processed vocals to the point of cartoonishness on uh, hip hop albums bugs the shit out of me. Um, 
not so much on this track. I can handle it, but I did want to just bring that up. Like the chipmunk thing. And you, you know what I'm talking about? Like whenever oh, there's yeah. a chipmunk thing, I, I'm like, why, why, why would you do that? I don't understand. Wu-Tang counterpoint. Shake the niggas. Scary hours, no money out. Smash the Guinness style. Play the outfield. Lucille switch cracks on shields. She's a rich fiend. Sacrifice a fan. Ship the niggas to um, come. Well, yeah, they, you know, America's favorite son, Kanye West, when he first started as a producer, that was his thing. Like he would like if you listen to the Common album, he produced some of the Jay-Z. He was all about the chipmunk vocals. That was kind of his uh, his stamp. Yeah, no, it's not good. Um, I mean, that doesn't kill the song for me. I do think it's one of the more pedestrian uh, beats on the album. I, I, you know, there's like some background clicks and some synths that are cool. Like they're really buried in the mix, though. But the whole drum and bass thing kind of like uh, it over it, 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 it takes too much center stage for me. And that uh, just seems I think that LP can do better than that. Um, even though those moments of drum and bass are in there, it doesn't like kill the song for me. Though. It's not bad. It's just not my speed. Probably my least favorite song on the record, which is still said. I like it. I'll still listen to it. Um, and yeah, the, the whole lyrical content about, you know, Twitter making things in a bite size, you know, bit where we don't even have an actual opinion. We just want to like say something It's dead on. And, you know, uh, Mike's been talking about the, the nightly news misinforming us for decades now. And uh, that's just uh, something that he's always hammered home. So it's, uh, you know, besides... Besides the fact I don't like the beats that much, I think the the verse and the rapid fire delivery still makes it worth checking out. What do you think, Mark? Interesting. Um, I mean the break beat breakdowns for me, I I actually think they're kind of a winner. Uh, it, it seems to work for me. Maybe it's because the title is Goonies versus ET, which is reminiscent of something that you uh, big in the '80s, right? And I I feel like musically when he was sitting down to write these beats i think he was hearkening back to some of that nostalgia by also having one foot in the future one foot in the, in the past um the big brother vocals uh with that you know over processed you know uh 1984 thing going on here uh it, it doesn't bother me it is kind of jarring for them to actually use that effect because it seems like they're a little straight down the middle in terms of not necessarily doing things the mainstream way, but it just is not a production technique that I would come to expect from them to do. Um, lyrically, I think it's pretty funny that they are uh, poking the stick at those people who live in social media land, because um, if you look at Twitter, uh, Bernie Sanders should be president, and Andrew Yang is on his way to becoming the mayor of New York. Uh, but that's not always the reality of things. And another, for example, is whenever there's a fucking tragedy, people change their profile pictures to to match whatever is going on. Uh, that's their way to stand in solidarity. Uh, I think one little nugget that I found was around June 2nd's Blackout Tuesday, where people were putting just a black picture on their profile picture ah, yes yes uh i i think that they were uh posting uh, poking a little fun at those type of people and um you know how they feel like they're being activist but by doing the bare fucking minimum 
of actually trying to do something for uh, social change. Uh, I'm not a big fan of when that happens, uh, when uh, people change their profile pictures to match what's kind of the soup of the day. Um, I, and I, I mean, look no further. We just got out of June for crying out loud, which was Pride Month. All these corporations here in America, um, rainbow flags everywhere. Uh, but if it happens to be a global brand, uh, that rainbow flag is surprisingly missing if they're selling products in Russia, China, and the rest. So um, mm. stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff like that it kind of drives me a little fucking they, crazy. They touch on that again on the next track. But yes, yep, you're dead yeah. on. Yeah. So we can go to that next track, Steve. Take her let's, away. Let's walk on to the, to the interesting, a bit of crossfire there. Eric and Mark say, yes, good. Steve says, ah, it's all right. But I'm sure we'll all be much more aligned as we walk over to walking in the snow. Get a dose of dirty cold to go. Been cold since cold flow. Got a wide That's great. Yeah. All right. Walking in the snow. Go ahead, Steve. All right. Walking in the snow. I've uh, started this whole podcast just so we could talk about 3-6 Mafia. And finally, we are there. Uh, <laughs> that's who I was thinking of. Well, that's Gangsta Boo was on the song. She's from 3-6 right. Mafia. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, before we, and I know Mark's going to lead the charge on this one, but um, one thing I like about, and I'm going to give all the credit to Killer Mike on this one, is... You know, the thing about Southern rap groups is there's always one girl in the group and they're always like the best in the whole group. And Gangsta Boo was obviously from 3-6 Mafia. Trina was from like Trick Daddy's crew. Like, and they all, and Killer Mike always makes sure to feature them in a very cool way on their albums. So anyways, I just, just, uh, you know, uh, thanks to Killer Mike for, for, uh, you know, Given, given, shining some light on on, on, on the highlights of those crews. I think she left. She left before they got big. I, I think. I, I think she's still on the uh, the the sipping on some scissor album. The uh, when the smoke clears, that was their big one before they won their their Oscar and all that. But that was like their big uh, their big breakout album. And then like ten years later, they won their Oscar. Well, I just always remember the song "Stay Fly." I can't remember if she was on that or not. I don't think so. Right, I think that "Stay Fly" was their was their Oscar song, right? That was their uh, what was that? Hustle and flow. No, hustle and flow. Was, yeah, hustle and flow is what they won the Oscar for, but I don't think it was "Stay Fly." Oh, okay, okay. Well, you know, I'll fact check us later. Uh, Mark, what are your facts on this this song? Well, walking in the snow, it really does seem to be a, a tonal shift um, for the whole record, at least lyrically. I know that they were kind of dabbling in with some uh, social commentary in the previous tracks, but this is kind of the beginning of where they just really lean into it. Um, and it's, it's quite good. Uh, it has that video that is like toy story on acid. Um, yeah, that's, 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 that's getting, that's getting back to me saying earlier that I, I feel like a lot of videos from last year, since you couldn't film people a lot, you would do yep. something different. And they definitely did that on this one, but it's a cool different that video. Definitely. It's like a version of Robot Chicken and uh, uh, Toy Story when Andy or when uh, Woody and uh, Buzz see those toys that are a little all fucked up because Sid had taken them apart and put them back together in different pieces and parts. Fucking nightmare fuel. Uh, Nightmare fuel is what that is. Um, But uh, yeah, you got definitely a 
tale of oppression that's going on here. I even believe there's reference to Eric Garner's um, I Can't Breathe, uh, which is, uh, again, this song was written before the events of George Floyd being murdered uh, by a police officer. And that was certain what what he was saying as well. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a tough song lyrically. Uh, I'm not really going to parse out what the whole walking in the snow, what that imagery is supposed to be. And I'm sure Eric will have, uh, fill me in on that, but yeah, it's a good song. It's a heavy song, but doesn't like, it has still a propulsive beat. So you have to listen to what's going on here. Um, you can mistake it easily for, walking into the club with a bunch of cocaine around you. But uh, that's not what's going on here. No, you make a good point. It, uh, the, uh, the outer, the, the outer packaging in this track does not represent what it really is. And uh, I think it's one of the best songs in the album. And uh, Eric, what do you think about this track? Yeah, no, it's, it, this is an important song. I think in the annals of hip hop history, I think this there's a place for this song in there as far as you know uh, capturing um, capturing some shit. Uh, as far as walking in the snow goes, uh, Gangsta Boo gets to get you know she doesn't get a verse on this one, but she gives us our our hook. And um, you know, walking the snow, goddamn that motherfucker's cold. Like it's um, I don't know. I I did think about it over and over again, and I think it is just like for a lot of people like in the, you know, in the inner city, you like, that's life. You, you walk you, you walk to the bus stop, you, you, you know, you are, you are in the snow and, and, and while the, you know, the, the haves, you know, maybe vacation to the snow, um, that kind of bone aching cold, um, and nothing you can really do about it. Um, when, uh, you know, is, is a reality for some people. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I think it just kind of captures, uh, you know, maybe that aspect. Um, you know, what I like about it is an LP talked about this a little bit, but you know, killer Mike obviously, uh, destroys in this song. He just, you know, rips things up starting in education. Um, you know, they promise education, but they give you tests and scores and predict in prison population. I mean, that's just that's just harsh. And I don't talk about work a lot, but one of my, um, one of my, my jobs and my, in my new thing is I, is I'm working with the district on, uh, on disproportionality in, in education and, and students, um, you know, especially black students are being suspended more than any other student. And, um, and I'm trying to work with a team of people on, you know, how to train, people on their implicit, implicit bias and, and how to be aware of that and how to kind of stop this, this issue. And so that, that line really hit hard and it's a, it's a big problem. It's a systematic racism that absolutely exists. And, um, and I think that, that, that's important. It starts at school. And, um, and then he, you know, he kind of goes on to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, the evening news and, and how it's sometimes just another statistic for people. Um, and, uh, well, let's you just, know, and, and Eric, you know, like the touch of what Mark was talking about in the last track and what I was saying a little bit of, and just to read through that whole verse, I mean, I'll, I'll read through it real quick, but I mean, this is some, this is some pretty good stuff. I mean, good and sad. 
You know, the yeah. way I see it, you're probably freest from the ages one to four. The ages one to four, around the age of five, you shift away from your body to be stored. They promise education, but really they give you tests and scores. And they predict in prison population by who's going the lowest. And usually the lowest scores, the poorest, and they look like me. And every day on the evening news, they feed your fear for free. And you so numb, you watch the cops choke out a man like me. Until my voice goes from a shriek to whisper, I can't breathe. And you sit there in the house on couch and watch it on TV. The most you give is a Twitter rant and call it a tragedy. But truly the travesty, you've been robbed of your empathy. Replaced it with apathy, I wish I could magically. Fast forward to the future so then you can face it and see how fucked up it'll be. I promise I'm honest, they coming for you the day after they coming for me. I'm reading Chomsky, I'm reading Bukowski, I'm laying low for a week. I said something on behalf of my people and I popped up in WikiLeaks. Thank God that I'm covered, the devil can smother, then you know the evil don't sleep. Dick Gregory told me a couple of secrets before we lay down in his grave. All of us serve the same masters. All of us nothing but slaves. Never forgetting the story of Spurs. Jesus, the hero. All of us are nothing but slaves. Never forgetting the story of Jesus, the hero was killed by the state. That is fucking... Yeah. That's, that's something. It's, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's top. It's a top-notch verse. A Very important. Statement. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, really good. Um, and, and, and LP, you know, he said like, I, I can't come to these, these, these songs with the same perspective as Mike, you know, he's, you know, LP's coming from a place of privilege, but I do like that. He, uh, he, uh, LP's funny thing, funny fact about a cage. They're never built for just one group. So when that cage is done with them and you, and you're still poor, it comes for you. And kind of taking it more from the uh, socioeconomic perspective on how the, uh, you know, basically there is, you know, there is always a war against the poor. Um, so this song, yeah, this song is, uh, I mean, I, we've given it, I think we've given it a lot of time and it deserves it. It's a centerpiece on this album and, um, you know, it should be required listening for everybody. It should be, it should be, should be played in uh sociology classes it should be played in eighth grade history classes it's, yeah, it's fantastic it also touches on you know the hypocrisy of christians which is something that has uh bothered the three of us for most of our lives the, uh, yeah. the pseudo christians you're all are indifferent kids in prisons ain't a sin shit if even one scrap of what jesus taught connected you'd feel different what a disingenuous way to piss away existence i don't get it i'd say you lost your goddamn minds if you all possess one to begin with so, mm. it's, it's yeah, no, LP will right never hesitate to call out uh, religion, which is yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and then this song, you know, I love the distort the, the like the distorted percussion that's on this track. It sounds like bent up steel drums, and um, yeah, you know, it starts out with a, another good hey, and then the hey comes like like comes back repeatedly like a hey hey hey, and it sounds like it's a bunch of guys surrounding a street fight. It's a really good use of the word hey yeah. um i mean i yeah. think we've we, we've discussed we've discussed uh dozens if not hundreds of songs on this podcast by this point and i think that this one is probably the most concise observation of our fucked up society is anything we've ever talked about on here and it's all in one yeah. verse i uh, yeah yeah you know, i think it, it's, it's yeah great. yeah and when i said there was a uh no uh point of no return that's that's kind of this track uh from here on out, I, for the most part, this album, ha it, it goes, it, you know, it maybe not, does not stay as deep as this song, but it stays deep um, from here on out. Yeah. And then Mike, Mike, uh, he name checks Radio Raheem. And also ah. at the yeah. very end, I like that uh, Gangsta Booze 
line. First of all, they cheated. One of them is black and the other one is white. So if you don't like them both, you're automatically racist, which I thought was a pretty funny. Way <laughs> yeah, they can't they can't just have a they have like a like a straight up like message song. There has to be a little 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 joke in there, of yep. course. So. That gets us to the seventh track, Just, featuring Pharrell and friend of the show, Zach DeLaRocca. Mastered economics, cause you took yourself from squalor. Slave. Mastered academics, cause your grace said you were scholar. Slave. Mastered Instagram, cause you can instigate a follow. Shit. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Yeah. Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters. And also Pharrell's friend of uh, not the show, but my wife. I'll get into that in a minute. Hmm. Just, uh, just is um, one song you can't help pay attention to. They take the the deep politics of the previous track and carry it on, maybe with a little bit more uh, uh, radio friendly uh, tilt to it. Um, you have Pharrell doing the uh, Master Reconomics, uh, the, this kind of cool hook where, um, you know, basically, uh, I don't know, calling out kind of like the shallowness of, of the business, but also just the, you know, uh, capitalistic society. And then you have the uh, Zach De La Roca, look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar, which is just gets stuck in my head. And it's you don't even think about it, but it's 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 great. I mean, get it. Um, this is a, this is a, uh, it's a fun song, but it's, like I said, it's, it's also got, it's also got a message. It's got its tendrils deep. Um, it's got one of my favorite LP lines, uh, which is the, uh, got a Vonnegut punch for your Atlas shrug. Just kind of like your, uh, <laughs> your, uh, your art and, uh, maybe even like, uh, socialism versus your capitalism. Um, there is a deep bass line uh, with a little like um, like almost trap drums happening and uh, a like boom, boom, boom vocal synth that I like a lot. And uh, obviously I love it when Zach DeLaRocca shows up and his rap, his verse is fantastic. So um, this, is a, this is a fun song. Just. In my mind, uh, lyrically and musically, the song is a cousin to... Uh, this is America by Childish Gambino. Uh, just ah. works for me for in my mind. Uh, I just the minimalism of that track, and then this track with very very deep bassy bumps uh, that kind of just percolating throughout the whole song. Um, and looking at the lyrics, it certainly doesn't look like they're fans of capitalism uh, one bit. Uh, they're not really digging the uh, the god money as, as you would say uh how essentially that slavery may be a thing of the past but is it really uh it's uh it's if general custer actually didn't die at uh, little bighorn it presupposes <laughs> that <laughs> oh the, in the in the frisculating dust light yes <laughs> Poetry. Um, but yeah, just, it, I like this song quite a bit. Um, Pharrell Williams, uh, I have no problem with Nerd, N-E-R-D. I have no problem with the song Happy, 
um, which Weird Al uh, famously did a great version of that called Tacky. Um, yeah. Uh, but, I, can, we, uh, can we talk about maybe some of the best Weird Al rap songs? Well, I mean, we, we, we did try to make Weird Al a new segment. Uh, um, white and Nerdy. Uh, white that's and Nerdy. There. Now, now, Amish Paradise is, is, a, is a real, like that, I have an emotional connection to that song. That's well, awesome. sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, a great one. Uh, it's a solid one. Um, what else we got in the? Even uh, Ezekiel thinks that my mind is gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, oh, so yes. good, so yeah. good, so good. It's uh, all about the Pentiums. I believe that was another sure. one. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um. um anyway, and the rest, uh, and the rest. Yeah, and the rest, and the rest. Um, but yeah, this song's good. Just, uh, not the song from Radiohead, uh, just with the dollar sign. And, uh, it's, it's a winner. If you ask me, it's, it's a winner. I like what they're saying here. Um, we do everything to essentially, uh, strive for happiness by continuing to chase the almighty dollar. And sometimes we stomp upon people in order to get there only to find out it was the friends we made along the way. It wasn't actually, the end goal of doing anything that you can for wealth and power. Let it sink in. 2020 on the map. Raw one cut in my hourglass. Don't watch it spill to the bottom half. You see the piece now running fast on the tarmac. Get a starter jack. C4 when I run it back like a track star on a fucking lap. Nah, like when it's still cash. Clean look, poor pugilist. A shooter's view is a pruder flick. Too rude for you rudiments. Who convinced you you can move against the crew in this? Coming up through the fence. Offshore on a quarter prince. Overture left his fingerprints. Fight. Ah uh, yes, you know, just just is a good song. I, uh, you know, it, it's it's another Zachty the Roca tour de force. He's done uh, previous songs with Run the Jewels before, um, and Pharrell. Uh, what's everyone's opinion of Pharrell in general here? Mark, start with you. I uh, I mean, he's he fits right in there. I have no uh, negative feelings. It's more hues to uh, neutral to uh, certainly positive. I mean, um, some of the stuff that he's done solo outside of NERD and his production work with the Neptunes, um, definitely hues a little bit more to the poppy side with him being all over like the Despicable Me soundtrack franchise. I'm uh, happy. Yeah, it, it has certainly kind of made him, uh, dare I say, the black uh, Justin Timberlake. Um, but for the most part, like I love his work on the Daft Punk album, Random Access Memories mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the NERD stuff. While I think the only uh, NERD album that I actually listened to was the first one, and that was the lap dance. And I only really gave it a bit of attention because Trent Reznor, I think, did the remix for that song, Lap Dance. Um, but you know, Pharrell, I, I'm okay. His Arby's hat, like, uh, you know, I'm in for it. So, yeah, no negative feelings about the guy. I understand what he's trying to do. And um, he just, yeah, he seems to be a credible individual, both in production and as a uh, vocal artist. Well, yeah, I mean, like, you got to give him credit. I mean, he had that verse on that, uh, 
you know, uh, boom, dot, 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 let the boys be boys. Uh, that, the shake your rump song. Uh, he had a, he had a verse way back, way back in the early nineties. And we, none of us knew it was Pharrell. And then he came out as a massive producer, did some great, uh, Busta Rhymes and mystical production things, nerd, you know, uh, I think nerd is hit and miss. Um, but if, if Trent Reznor signed off on a lap dance remix, uh, you know, I'm going to be there for it. Um, yeah, he, he, he can make pop work. And sometimes it's a little bit too bubblegummy, like you said, Mark. Uh, sometimes it's just the right amount of swagger. And uh, I think that that is what he's giving us on this track. Yeah, I think I agree with both of you. I never go out of my way to seek his stuff out, but I don't usually mind when I hear it. Um, I, I, I do have a, a slight issue with him as some kind of PTSD uh, from years ago. There was some kind of uh, concert that somehow my wife was uh, part of the staff for. Uh, we, we had a friend that worked at Slim's, and I think somehow that was parlayed into for that show. Uh, my wife was part of the support staff, and it was in San Francisco, and she ended up hanging out with uh, Pharrell all night. And she kept texting me about how friendly he was with her and how, how he just kept saying nice things to her and whatnot. And I can't tell if she was fucking with me or if uh, what his intentions were. But that was a long night for me. I mean, I can't. I, I don't have much to offer compared to a, a you know, multi-millionaire millionaire rap star. But um, luckily, luckily, we ended up getting married and having a couple of kids. And, you know, whatever went on that night, I'm, I'm not quite sure. And I'm not going to ask for details. I can't change the past. But, uh, yeah, Pharrell might have, uh, you know, created a whole alternate timeline for all we know. If uh, if things went a different way that evening, but I mean, truly, truly, I wonder if uh, Becky lays awake at night, just staring at the ceiling uh, fan as it rotates over and over slowly, and her. Well, just, it's the uh, same. It's the same. You know, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. Jen does when she thinks about that meet and greet you had with Nine Snails, and Trent Reznor looked at her and then looked at you, and exactly. You know. Yep. <laughs> no, I know. We all have our piece, right? We all have our stories. The almost the one that got away. Yeah, he but thought for a minute. Tr was like, "I could save her from that guy." God, and I thought I was exactly. pasty, but uh, exactly, I could see his heart beating through his shirt. <laughs> well, the song itself, it's good. Uh, it's it's just uh, you know, I this one, I, I particularly like the beat on this track. I I, I think I blew the the Prius speakers out of my car with this one. It's just got this. Uh, the, the vocalizations and the call and response bits with that, the, the bass is just uh, wonderful. And it's got all these, these drum lines that kind of snicker around with the chorus. It's a, it's good stuff. And I, I think that, uh, uh, lyrically, I mean, whenever you insert exactly the Roka in anything, you're going to get top quality. Uh, just there's, you're not, it's not going to be half-assed and this is his verses are fantastic. And I mean, I, I'm reminded of, you know, on this one, they've got that very loaded uh, chorus, which is uh, the slave masters posing on your dollars. I mean, that's not even a metaphor, by the way, it's just calling it like it is. And it reminds us that, I mean, we were, we were pretty young when we all got introduced to rage against the machine. And I, I find it pretty radical that uh, the killing in the name of was a radio hit. And the, the line, you know, some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. 
looking back, I'm kind of surprised it even made it on the the radio. I mean, well, do yeah. you guys agree? Critical race theory, man. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just <laughs> it wouldn't happen today. They'd stop it, you know. But that's uh, just, I mean, that might have been the first time growing up where I was like, whoa, you know, institutionalized racism. Actually, uh, I don't even know what that is yet, but that's probably a thing. So it's just uh, Zachary LaRocca definitely is always here to speak some uncomfortable truths. And he does it in this track quite well. Yeah, and I think I, 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 there's a great story from that. Uh, and once again, we're going to reference the. Uh, the uh what had happened was podcast uh once again we're not gonna just mine it go listen to it but there's a great story about how uh when they were recording the first run the jewels they ran into to zach at like in front of like a barbershop or a deli and he was just they're like hey we're making an album and you know and the rest is history they they invited him on and they we got a track from him on every record and he always steals the show it's great Oh yeah, he always does great. He always just brings a, a level of intensity that's amazing. He's just he does it effortlessly. I mean, uh, yeah, close your eyes and count to fuck. That song and video is great. And uh, yeah, actually, I had tickets to go see Rage Against the Machine with Run the Jewels uh, before all the pandemic stuff happened. And I think they rescheduled that stuff again. And who knows, they'll probably reschedule it a third time, considering the unvaccinated fools of the world are creating a, a third wave for us to have to deal with. I, I had some intention to see some shows in the fall, and now I just, I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, good, good luck to you, Eric, with Gary Newman. But uh, all, all of a sudden, that Delta variant and the, the amount of people that don't want to get vaccinated makes me feel like I don't want to, I don't want to even deal with it until next year now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I uh... I do have to say also this track has the beep beep Richie line, which I always makes me laugh, which is a uh, the Stephen King uh, uh, Easter egg from Ter- the stand. Ter- oh, the, the it it. Oh, the Ter- it you're yeah, exactly terrifying, terrifying. Yes, yes. Well, actually, Eric, I mean, still it is part of the greater gunslinger universe, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely you're definitely correct. It's part. It's from the stand, and uh, that's that's just such an LP line to throw in there. That beep beep. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to tie it in, he could have. The chorus could have been "Baby, can you dig your man?" and we would all be happy. But yes, yeah, I get your point. <laughs> all right, enough of that. Let's move on. Let's never look back. And you can't go back. The past, the present, the future, all the relevant. All right, so never look back. Um, you know, I like this track uh, quite a bit, even though um, it doesn't have like a strong, strong hook, but the things that I really love about it that make it really stand out. Uh, for one, um, we got some serious Blade Runner 2049 beats uh, going on in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like that futuristic synth um, that he's bringing into it. It's not your standard type of uh, hip hop backing uh, beats. I mean, I'm glad you I'm glad you noticed that because I, I wrote down it's definitely got an old school LP. Yeah, like 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 Blade Runner vibe. But it has more of a drive to it. More polished. Right. Exactly. This could, this could be on fan damage, fan damage for sure. 
Yeah, but if yeah. it was on if it was on fantastic damage, it would be a lot more like blurry and sloppy. Mm -hmm. I, I feel this is a lot more uh, shaped up. Anyhow, Mark. Right. Uh, and the second thing that I really like about this track is how both LP and Killer Mike, I mean, this isn't uh, certainly a surprise or a first time for LP to do this, but I really like their self-reflective tracks in their verses. Uh, this one here uh, certainly um, uh, showcases that they're not perfect. There's not bombacity. There's no ego here. They're actually um, disclosing some of the things they fucked up on and some of the things that got them where they're at. Um, I honestly, Killer Mike really just uh, steals the show on this one uh, for me. Um, and essentially, the whole overarching theme of this song is just don't look back and be grateful where you are. Sometimes when you look back, you'll only get bitter. So um, I like that. I like this track quite a bit. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, uh, to your point about the beat, it is a... Uh... Definitely a, a connected to his kind of dark techno hip hop beats. Uh, the bass arpeggio is is amazing. It drives the whole song, um, and uh, it's got some just almost just doubling vocals by Mister Motherfucking Exquire, who's uh, who was on some old LP stuff. Um, shows up on here to just do come like some uh, vocal doubling and 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 a, and a few shouts here and there. Track star the DJ does some scratches. Um, and yeah, like you said, never look back. You only get bitter. Uh, if you get bitter, you'll never get better. And just kind of like it's that whole idea of, re of regret. Um, and, 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 and looking back isn't necessarily the key to learning from your mistakes um, when, when you're living like that. So, yeah, this this uh, the song. The song is very simple. Not a lot to say about it, uh, but I like it. And I really do like the beat. It's It's wonderful. Yeah, Killer Killer Mike does have and Run the Jewels to that extent, but Killer Mike specifically, he is very good at being inspirational without being cheesy, uh, without hitting you over the head with it, and he definitely does it in this song. Uh, there, there's kind of this. Uh, this album has a few parts where he talks about family and and his raising, and uh, in this one he speaks about his uncle and his mom and his dad, basically saying like, "Don't trust or take shit off anybody in different ways," and uh, I like that. And uh, there's also like a vibe to the messaging where time isn't linear, like a lesson you learned a long time ago that you can apply today um, is, is just as important. And if you guys ever, ever finish uh, Deep Space Nine, remember the phrase, it's not linear. It'll just make you break down whenever you heard the word uh, linear from now on. That's not a spoiler, but time is not linear. And, uh, you know, don't don't dwell on your mistakes to the point where it uh, fucks up your present. That's that's a very simple but a uh, good, 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 good message. And as far as the beats go, I mean, Mark brought up the point about the Blade Runner stuff, which, you know, if you took a shot every time I mentioned Blade Runner tonight, you'd be blind drunk right now. But it's true. Uh, this one has some really good uh, bouncing uh, haze in it. Some some Mike Hay or some uh, LP haze that kind of bounce all over the room. Very three-dimensional, this track, I think. It has a good sense of space. It makes me feel like I'm in the video game portal and things are ping-ponging around me. I, I dig it. It's a good track. And it's uh, also followed by another good track, The Ground Below, which which I think uh, might be the most rocking song in the album. What do you think, Eric? RTJ. 
guard killer. This Tokyo and I'm Godzilla. Playing blackjack versus death gun on the car dealer. Just bought a demon, I'm screaming up out the car dealer. Last temptation of Mike, but I'm a guard digger. Tell me as a bar that the guard don't need a job. And if I did, the oligarchs would be missing, murdered, and wrong. This is bone apart and he paid with Tucson. And they went on a world conquest, tear your bone apart. Michael remained murderous, but still virtuous. Wait to kill the petty, you found out the church services. Not a holy man, but a moral in my perversion. So I support the sex workers unionizing their services. Says you're locked in, hey. I'm guessing I'ma be okay. You say that you feel me now. I feel like I'ma live somehow. There's the ground below, and you're absolutely right. And in, in, in a very concrete example is the, uh, the driving line which honestly just sounds like a synth line like a distorted synth line is is the riff from a gang of four song Never get cast with a beats and a fake chip. Smart ass kid with a mealing. Mom said Jay gonna speak, but I mean it. Deepness. Now I'm all fleek as a priest. I don't um, wear a leash and a leash, but I'm beast. Uh, Never look back, you are only get that's the kind of like uh, fading in and out, uh, uh, fuzzy little riff that's happening. Um, and that happens throughout the whole song. And yeah, it's a. Uh, they both have some great lines in this. Um, it is a little bit about uh, kind of not getting the respect that you deserve. It's it, it's got some uh, it's got some uh, boasting, some rap boasting, but uh, you know, in general, trying to make a case for um, for what they're doing in a biblical sense, uh, especially Killer Mike. It's very biblical. Tell Beelzebub that God don't need a job, and if I did, the oligarchs would be missing, murdered, and robbed. And then LP's got a great one too, like, not saying it's a conspiracy, but you're all against me. You see a future where one of the jewels ain't shit. Cancel my Hitler killing trip. Turn the time machine back around a century. So like, <laughs> he was going to go back and kill Hitler, but now he's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to go back and tell the world how good we are as a group. It's just a fan. As far as boast raps go, that one's very complicated in a good way. Um, yeah, this song is a lot of fun. It's raucous. And a lot of that is because they're they're sampling a rock band. Um, and I think it, it, it adds to the, the, the oral pleasure of this particular track. Mark. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate this song. Um, I think to Steven's point, it's definitely like the one that, that has, uh, this kind of rock feel to it. It's very guitar driven based off of that sample from gang of four, um, I enjoy Gang of Four as much as the next guy. I think they're a good post-punk band that very influential for a lot of the groups that we all like. Um, this particular song, Ether, is not one of my favorite of theirs. In fact, I think it's kind of like a spronky song with that guitar riff. Uh, I think that it's pretty cool that LP actually gave it a little bit more meat on that bone. Um, as Gang of Four, they're just really... I would say that they're characterized by kind of this brittle sound of the guitar. Just, I mean, take what you hear maybe in an Interpol song and then make it really just bone drier. Um, that's kind of like what I would, especially their early Interpol records. Um, but Ground Below, uh, I certainly agree lyrically with what Eric is talking about. Um, that last track where they're a little bit more introspective here, they get a little bit more... Uh, you know, 
boastful, but in doing it in a more poetic way than we've ever probably heard an MC do it. Um, you know, it's not talking about how much money they have per se, very literally, um, but just essentially how, you know, they're able to, um, still be extremely influential and, uh, you know, top of their game kind of boastfulness, but, uh, uh, it, yeah, they do it in their own creative way. I would say that. So not a bad track by any means. It's just one of those songs that, um, it doesn't stick out for me as being one of the highlights of the record. Still good though. Yeah, that's exactly my opinion of it. It's not a bad song. I think it's the loudest, most rocking song in the album. Mark, you called it Spronky. It's a, I did. Yeah. What, is, what does that mean? I've no. It, well, think about like a broken, uh, like Slinky. You know, like that kind of like, or like uh, a very loud like um, spring in a in a mattress, just Spronky. You know, uh, like wiry not comfortable and it, it it shouldn't have it has like this weird jags to it when it bounces that that kind of thing not I, I, very good description thank you that's uh <laughs> similar to being married to me probably um <laughs> yeah that's a good description of the song uh I, i'm glad it exists it's uh you know i don't have much to say about the lyrics on this one i like that line about being the god killer of some sort um, and also, uh, something about it not being a holy man, but is moral in my perversions. So I support the sex workers and their unions. It's a good, good message to have in here, I think. And I agree. Uh, good track, but I feel like I'm just kind of killing time till I get to the fireworks factory of the last two songs. Uh, so let's go to those and pulling the pin featuring Mavis Staples in front of the show, Josh Homie. From a long line of the rants to the swine can of violators. The cloven foot designers are high crime for the Iron Angels. Twisting down through time, see them trying to unwind creation. Don't be surprised, it's a mistake to think their influence had faded. But what a wretched state of danger we've made here. I thought to me, perhaps explaining years of self-lobotomy. Toxically, perhaps explaining tears and even tears of my cosmology. You numb yourself for years and it can wear upon you honestly. These old foxes got a lot of plots to outboxes. Trying to divvy up and dump in corresponding boxes. How obnoxious. Where the heart of mind connect, expect them targeting like arches. You will not travel towards the light if they're in charge of your departure. You think the universe forgot us the way the curse and pitch their product. Though so our spirit's not a fire that can't be stuffed to turn to dollars. Where the expanse across all space can't be contained in one small dollar. Now I see that it's the same moment in history back to haunt us. So that was pulling the pin. Um, definitely, I uh, certainly do agree with pulling into the driveway to the fireworks factory uh, for, for these next two ones. Um, so kind of getting it started with uh, this one, it's certainly a kind of a, uh, a slow burn. Um, starts off with just kind of spooky, off in the distance beats. Um, in this track, uh, I was certainly, uh, attuned to hearing where Josh Homey from Queens of the Stone Age was going to come in with his vocal and it's more so much just doing harmonics. Uh, I don't really hear any sort of, um, actually words coming out of his mouth. Uh, he's just kind of adding a little bit more atmosphere. 
And and Mark, don't you yeah. think? He, I think he's perfect for that. Like if perfect. you go back, and if I sit and I think of some of my favorite uh, Queens of the Stone Age songs, he's great at vocalizations. Uh, it's such a it's perfect, perfect use of uh, his vocal stylings. I think. 100% that one uh, track that has Mark Lanigan doing the lead vocals off songs for the deaf. Um, I think it's, uh, it's not the hanging tree. It might be actually the song songs for the deaf. I can't remember exactly when we talk about Queens of the stone age at some point on the show, I'm sure that that will come up again. Um, but then Mavis Staples uh, from the Staples singers. I mean, she's a goddamn legend. If you look at soul R and B music, and having her provide vocals, it, you know, obviously puts the stamp of credibility. Static in my mind, mind, like sanity on borrowed time. Like right and wrong can't be defined. There's a grenade in my heart. Also, speaking of Joshua Home and even kind of Mavis's, uh, I wouldn't say gospel, but definitely very soulful vocals. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was... Man, it was probably like 2005, 2006 now that I'm thinking about it. But Uncle, uh, it was kind of James Lavelle, uh, who was uh, more of a DJ, kind of in the vein of DJ Shadow, created this project called Uncle. War Stories uh, was the record that I'm thinking of, and Josh was on that as well. This song would actually find a pretty good place on that record in terms of how I just the production and the whole song craft. In my mind, it just, I went there. Uh, Maybe it was because just the combination of uh, kind of those haunting beats along with Mavis and Josh. It just kind of just all fit in my head. Um, lyrically, uh, I think that this song is really talking about uh, how power essentially you can't always take it for what it is on face value. Um, you know, for example, uh, in this song uh you know there's certainly justification for talking about the evils of capitalism uh but and here in america i mean if you talk about capitalism anywhere the wrong way you're labeled a communist and un-american um but this song does a pretty good job of uh incorporating that and again this is nothing surprising based on the subject matter that these two really put out there um, but for the most part, the song is just, yeah, definitely seen as one of my favorites on the record. Um, certainly very memorable. Eric, what, what do you think? Yeah, this is, this is very cool. And, and Josh Homie doing, um, doing, uh, a, you know, what he does best. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong about that as, as we've covered in previous episodes, maybe I don't, you know. Maybe I misunderstand his band, but I always think he's a great guitarist. And I think, I think he's got a cool vocal style, especially like you said, when he's doing like harmonies and, and, and backups and, and, you know, somehow if you asked me if him and Mavis Staples would be a good mix, I'd say, I don't know. But after hearing this, I'll tell you, they are, they're a fantastic mix. And those, those hooks are. Oh fantastic. yeah. In, in, in addition to the vocalizations, He's doing. He's the one creating some kind of like ghostly, ethereal guitar sound. You guys know what I'm talking about on this. It's like a very mm-hmm. sad sounding, like like weeping guitar. Yeah. Note. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's a haunting thing to his singing and his guitar playing on this song, for sure. Yeah, and uh, Mark, you nailed it dead on. I I said like lyrics are a lot about like how cops are their primary job is protecting 
capitalism, property, that kind of stuff, um, as opposed to, you know, uh, human lives. Um, and, uh, I, I, I think it's pretty powerful and it hits home quite well in here. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, basically what we have here is, uh, Mike and, and LP are both like locked into the same rhythm and, um, in the same like delivery and they're just doing it their own way as opposed to, to two separate things. And, um, it's just kind of cool to hear them kind of training on the same, uh, timber and rhythm. It's, it's, it's great. Um, and yeah, and Mavis, her voice just takes you away on the song. Um, you know, I'm not going to claim to be a staples singer or super fan, uh, but I know she's important and I know they were important and, and uh, you listen to this track on headphones and she will take you on a absolute like uh, a rainbow road Mario Kart journey. Just uh, following following her singing along to this track. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I think that the, the the Mavis Staples aspect of this one uh, really human sounding. I, I don't know how they did it, but her vocals sound almost like she's in the room with you on this track. Very human sounding, uh, pretty cool. And, uh, just, it sounds very untouched. And, uh, you know, we have this record where at times it's very aggressive. It's very robotic. It could be very sarcastic, uh, to have someone come in here and just sound very human is, uh, just, it, it stands out to me. Um, and, and this song in general, it stands out to me. I mean, if you're if you're listening closely to it, there's stuff buried in it that's very sad sounding. And during Mavis's vocals, there's also a lot of freestyle piano buried in the mix that uh, Eric reminds me of uh, some of the stuff on the Sunrise in Brooklyn record. Uh, you got to you got to listen to it. But there's some there's the, there's some some freestyle piano going on. And uh, yeah, you, yeah the, the Josh Homie vocalizations with the, the sad sounding guitar. I mean, I, I can see how. Besides the fact that I think they're both gingers, uh, homie and LP are from the same box, kind of. Uh, you know, they're both very creative musicians who don't lock themselves into just one genre inside yeah. their genre. Like, like LP definitely is a rap guy. Josh Homie is definitely a rock guy. But that's not just all they do. Like when they're making their albums, they paint with a lot of different brushes, and uh, they both have sense of the humor too. So, I'd, uh, I'd, I'm not surprised that they're they're on each other's albums here. Um, and this one, this one has a, uh, you're gonna have to forgive me. I'm going to read the whole verse, but uh, there's this LP. He does this narrative thing sometimes where he kind of paints himself as an outsider, like warning you or telling you the rules of the universe. And uh, this, this, this has one of those. It just, it just gets me and I'll, I'll do my best to try to read through it here. Uh, I might mess the words up a little bit, but uh, there's this verse on here where he said, uh, these old foxes got a lot of plots to outfox us trying to divvy up and dump in corresponding boxes. How obnoxious where the heart and the mind connect, expect them targeting like archers. You will not travel towards the light. If they're in charge of your departure, you'd think the universe forgot us the way the curse pitched their product as though our spirits, not a fire that can't be snuffed or turned to dollars. Or the expanse across all space can't be contained to one small dollop. Now I see that it's the same moment in history back to haunt us. And here we are again. Hello, Void. Long time watcher. First time calling in. 
Every cage built needs an occupant. Got a deadbolt. See him lock it in. Had a good run, but they stopped it. Want a Walkman in the coffin lid. Eat your heart out, fiction fan. Truly the truce to stranger document. Now, if you take that, all of that, and you do it in a uh, rhyme, uh, rapping, actually all the words rhyme with each other, and it's just, it's great. And uh, it just paints a, a picture that really speaks to me. I love a, a rapper that can carry a one single rhyme to the utmost degree. Like that, the whole ox sound, like that he starts that verse with, he carries that on for about, you know, many bars, which I appreciate. It's good stuff. Yeah. The, the, the way that they, uh, they make some like words fit together in that one is just, uh, it's great. Um, that's, that's the whole name of the game. That's why we're doing a podcast and they're rapping. They know how to do it and we don't. <laughs> they also know how to do a uh, hell of a closing song. I think that LP is a master of that in all his projects. And a few words from the firing squad is just another once again, example. Four days straight. I didn't wake you, baby. I just watched you lay in the radiation of the city sun. I am in love with you. It is my only grace. You know how everything can seem a little out of place. All of my life has seemed to be the only normal state. So being a normal never really made me feel the same. Being clear about the truth of being sane and never really been the same. I used to want to get the chance to show the world I'm smart. Isn't that dumb? I should have focused mostly on the heart. Because I see smarter people trample life like it's a heart. So being smart ain't what it used to be this fucking dark. You ever notice that the worst of us have all the chips? It really kind of take the sheen of people getting rich. Like maybe rich is not the holy ever loving king of nothing. Fuckers know we know you're bluff, but you are dealing with a motherfucking money, so money, run. Well, all right. A few words for the firing squad. As, as, as extensively covered in our bonus episode, Steve lets us know how LP is the master of a closing track. I would have to agree 100%. This is no exception. Um, the beat itself is, um, it's epic. It, uh, it does kind of feel like it's trudging along, like almost like a military march. Um, but we have some live instruments. We have Dan, Danton Bowler playing bass. We have Dana Lynn playing violin. We have, um, this, uh, the sax player, tenor sax player, um, Kochemia Gastelum from uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Uh, and uh, you don't know it at first because you don't hear the sax at first, but the entire beat is built around the journey the sax goes on. And, um, it, you know, it starts and it is very, very much a, uh, you know, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, it is a uh, uh, brutalist beat from the beginning um it locks you in uh we get some of the most personal lyrics from both rappers um and uh in fact it has one of my favorite lp lines of all time i used to, i used to want to get a chance to show the world i'm smart isn't that dumb i should have focused mostly on the heart because i've seen smarter people trample life like it's an art so being smart ain't what it used to be that's fucking dark um Love that. Love that line. Uh, just kind of like people not really focusing on the, uh, you know, on the love. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, and 
then Mike also does this thing about, you know, he, he raps a lot about in this, his mom, when my mother transitioned to another plane, I was sitting on a plane telling her to hold on. She tried hard, but she couldn't hang. Um, and he gets a little personal about, uh, about her struggles. It uh, sounds like her struggles with addiction, uh, his own temptations into that, but wanting to, to still be strong for, for his community and his, and his family. Um, and then the song just breaks down into a sax solo. And then, then the music kind of clicks in, takes us on a journey. Um, and yeah, these are, these are things that the rappers would be shouting at their, at their, uh, executioners if they were on a firing squad. Um, and then it all kind of wraps up with the, uh, the, the last line. Uh, I think this is killer Mike's line about, you know, uh, fuck you too is, is the last thing he'll say to his, his executioners yet because to reference track one, this is a Dukes of Hazard episode. They get out and we find by Matt Sweeney, folk singer, Matt Sweeney uh, narrates the end of this episode. And we know that our, our heroes get out just in the nick of time to, uh, to adventure on another day. Um, but what a hell of a closing track. Um, I've talked a lot, Mark, what do you think about this track? one hell of a closing track is someone who is not as familiar with um, LP's way of closing out albums, whether it be on uh, his solo records or um, previous run the jewels records, which, you know, I've listened to a lot, but you know, I, I can't necessarily say that I'm a student quite yet. I'm just a passing fan and uh, perhaps, you know, I'll continue to, explore the catalog and really have it just sink into my bones. But I, I do like this track quite a bit by the fact that um, it's a little bit of, again, uh, describing, you know, how they have reached the level that they're currently at and they're going to just continue to do what they do. And ultimately it's all about the love of the music and the want of a better society. I don't think you can really ask for anything more. Um, then, you know, after a pretty emotional, uh, you know, heart pouring out kind of uh, delivery on both of them, it does go right into a Dukes of Hazard uh, narration. And it was one of you guys that pointed it out because I was convinced they had brought in uh, that uh, character actor named Scott Glenn um, in to do it. Uh, if uh, you've seen maybe the leftovers he's that crusty old guy um in that in that show he was a uh, he was stick in daredevil wasn't he that's exactly right <laughs> and goddamn like uh, netflix made like 15 hours no like 15 seasons of combined marvel shows and i'm at least happy they at least got daredevil right even if uh it left in a cliffhanger that'll never be solved but right. he was great on that yeah and I literally thought it was that guy until I think it was Eric that said that was Matt Sweeney. I think that was the same weekend that Steve actually saw Matt Sweeney live. Um, so there you go. Uh, so let's hear from Steve. Steve, did you talk to Matt Sweeney about that? 
I guess not. <laughs> Kids came running in, I guess. <laughs> uh, he, has to, he has had to build it. Somebody knocked over a Lego tower. He's going to build it back really quick. <laughs> uh, uh, so close. We're there. We're almost there. We're almost there. <sighs> Becky said, I said I only gave you 30 minutes. You're eight minutes over. Pretty close. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. This, uh, this song is beautiful. Uh, like I said, LP knows how to close an album. And I, I really respect that because it just goes to show that he cares about the albums. And I believe that uh, the aforementioned Josh Homme is the same way on the Queens albums. Uh, Trent Reznor is really into a good closing track, obviously. Uh, Bowie was for many of his albums. Many artists, you know, uh, they, they, the Soundgarden, they, they knew how to just pick a closing track that actually closed the album. I think, I think that if you just throw a song on there that doesn't have a, you know, any kind of a special meaning to it or weight that closes out a record, then why'd you bother making a record? You know, it's uh, you, you could just stick to an EP or a couple of singles. Hold on one second. hundred percent, hundred percent. Killing each other, they're beating odds. No, sir, they're brothers. And when the chips are down, I really don't think you want to. So anyhow, yeah, you know, an artist that respects closing an album, I, I respect that. And I, I don't know why more modern artists, and I'll, I'll admit, I don't listen to a lot of modern albums. I don't know. I uh, don't put like all their, you should, you should save up a couple of credits for that last track. You want to leave, leave, leave the audience, uh, you know, thinking when they turn the album off. And maybe it's just the fact that, you know, in the, in the, no offense, Mark, in the era of iTunes, people just don't listen to albums all the way through anymore. So. You don't got to have a, a strong final statement on a on a LP. I, I, I don't know, but well, I, and, I definitely... and, and you know you gotta you gotta earn it too because I think it's standard to like you know a lot of bands will end a, their album with a ballad, you know something possibly heartfelt, but you got you gotta you gotta give your listeners those emotional moments in the album earlier on to make it you know uh, to make it as as impactful, and I think they pulled that off this yeah it's true you can't you can't come out of nowhere with something that's going to be extremely sentimental if the entire you know if the entire album was full of uh uh god who's that band that made the song about uh, uh the the bloodhound gang remember the bloodhound gang oh yeah oh yeah i remember yeah, the, the roof bloodhound is gang. on fire yeah yeah if you got a whole album with the roof being on fire i don't think you can come in with this song at the end so animals let's do what they, they did, on, did on the discovery channel yeah good stuff Classic. And they built their way up to it, and this is a beautiful track to close. Um, it's 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 interesting. I I I I feel like, in some ways, he's singing to his wife on this track, but the same way in which he sings to his wife or a woman he loves, or maybe just somebody he loves, it's very similar to his thoughts about his uh, departed friend uh, Camo Tao on the, the Cancer for Cure closer. Mm-hmm. Similar vibe. And uh, the guy, I, I just feel that LP really, you know, he really loves the people he loves, and he's not not afraid to let others know about how much he loves those he cares about. He's an extremely cynical, sarcastic guy, 
But at the same time, he will also tell you how much he cares about someone. I mean, also on this track, he dedicates it to his sister who he, you know, he says he's sorry that she was hurt. And uh, I just, I find that extremely heartfelt. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that, that also speaking of, of being heartfelt, Mike's bit about, you know, he'd be lying if he told you he didn't want to use to want fortune and fame, but now he doesn't know if that's the, the be all and end all. It's very, it's very true. I mean, when you look at that guy's career, he was very much dirty South uh, rapping a lot about just, you know, getting piles of money and guns in his backyard. And now he's more of a, a crusader for justice, if you will. And I think he's found a, a higher calling. Not to say he doesn't like being rich, but he's, he's earned every cent of it. And I, I, I think that the guy would say that there's a lot more to life than that. And he uh, discovered that through his work. Uh, the Beats uh, on this one, I mean, yeah, Eric, you, you talk about the, the sax solo. That sax solo is wonderful. And again, I think it kind of goes back to the Sunrise Over Brooklyn freestyle jazz stuff a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. Um, there's some good beats that kind of just like run and run and run and run and kind of drift off into the distance. And the, I really like uh, the, the drums kind of crash in at the end of each of their verses. Uh, as, as they hit the end of a verse, the drums kind of crash in. Mm-hmm. And it's got sax and organs, and it's just, it's a good, it's a good, good piece. And I, I just, you know, the, the, uh, there's a, there's, there's a whole instrumental section of it. that's like a coda that goes into that saxophone blast. And there's these did like distorted digital string sections. And I just very, very packed song. I think you could listen to this one without the lyrics and still get a lot out of it. And I then, think yeah, I'll, got, we could put this beat on in, in his uh, pantheon of, top-notch compositions yeah. it's so good and then having matt sweeney come in with his uh whiskey and cigarette voice talk about those those crazy run the jewels boys getting out of it again i think is a fun way to end a record that it, it, it definitely has its moments of levity but also its moments of heft and i like i like that they end it with uh with that and that wasn't even planned that was a kind of a joke that went too far if you will and they ran with it LP was like, well, we can't just be serious. We always have to, we always have to add the joke, even when it's inappropriate. And this being probably one of the heaviest songs lyrically, he was like, oh yeah, we've got to add, we got to throw that little Dukes of Hazard joke at the end. Got it. So, and yeah, we're, great, I think we're closure. all, I think we're all the better for it. I mean, like I said before, this has that, that Pink Floyd, the wall heartbeat. It, uh, it the, 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 the Dukes of Hazard ends the album and starts it. When you can pull that off appropriately, it's always fun. All right, so let's let's rate this thing. Let's let's give it the one out of five uh, jewels. Let's go easy, just jewels. There you go, Eric. How many jewels you give this? All right. Well, I've only done this once before, but I'm going to go ahead and give it that five out of five jewels. This is a this, Whoa, is, a per- nice. this is a perfect rap album. Boy, this is a perfect got the rap vapors. album. Perfect rap album. It's wonderful. It's uh, insightful. It is politically poignant. It, like you said, Steve, I think you pictured it perfectly. It, it, it celebrates some raucous rap nonsense while also dreaming of a better future for American society. And uh, it does it in a very concrete way. And uh, speaking of concrete, it has that, those brutalist beats. It's fantastic. Five out of five jewels. 
you know, it's it's hard to be consistent about how we rate things. At the end of the day, when we're done with this season, we'll look at everything and be like, I gave that a, a, a three and I gave that a five. What the fuck was I thinking? Um, and also, like, I just gave Deftones a five. So I, I, I've i got some unwritten rule book somewhere where I can't give two fives in a row. I just made that up. But uh, <laughs> um, I'll give it a four point a four point two five. But, you know, it's it's awesome. It's great record. Um, it's lean as hell and there's not an ounce of fat to it. And everything you said about Eric is true. It's just the uh, you know the the humor, but also the seriousness. It's blended so well. That's rare for rap albums. I think sometimes you're going to go too far into the bad skits, or you're going to go too far into getting too too messagey, and then you're going to lose the audience. You know, and amidst all the content, also the beats throughout it are awesome. It's it's a great record. Um, I think if they stopped here, it would be a job well done. I mean, the whole project started out as like supposed to be a one off. And they just, they've made four great albums. Uh, if I were to rate the albums, this one, this one and the first run the jewels for me are kind of neck and neck. This one's probably better. Uh, but I like them all. And this and, even, this even, and two are, 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 are my tops. And even with a, a four year layoff from the last one, they, they managed to just come in and not miss a step. So a 4.25. And Mark, what do you think? Um, so I agree. This is a extremely strong record. Um, I'm going to give it four jewels out of five. And, uh, certainly I feel that I, if I delve further into this, um, whole, uh, universe of LP, um, on his solo records, and then really just getting invested and run the jewels, you guys all know that hip hop isn't my, uh, number one genre, you know, I, I definitely am more of an explorer and a casual uh, drive-by listener. Um, but when I really like go really deep into the genre, sometimes I really am like, oh man, I I get it now. It just something clicks uh, for certain artists, um, and I'm just not as passionate about hip hop as both of you are. So. With that said, of course, um, these particular records that I did expose myself to and kind of the run up for the episode um, and certainly listening to RTJ4 uh, pretty much on repeat. Um, this is great. I mean, it does uh, do everything that you want it to do from a hip hop standpoint, but it also feels like it's moving the whole genre forward. Um, they take this extremely seriously, um, but they're doing it both with a self-deprecating sense of humor. Um, I really like the reflective stuff that doesn't more go into kind of like a post Malone uh, situation. They're able to do it um, their way without being a little too hard on the sleeve. Um, and sometimes when they are pouring their emotions out, you also get that hint of still like anger. It's not just pure sadness. It's not this emo rap that uh, is kind of the SoundCloud rap. Uh, the mumble core of rap, I guess, is I don't know what the hell they're calling it these days. Um, but we all know what I'm talking about. And when I describe that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 4.0. Definitely a, a fantastic listen. And it's just an extremely strong record. Well, let's see what extremely strong record we hope we get to listen to next. Eric? All right. Rolling. Rolling them bones. All right, high number. I got a nineteen. Oh, that's is it. Bad gadget. If you got nineteen, 
It is my pick. And, uh, you know, in fact, uh, Steve called it before we actually. Well, let me guess it. Let me guess then. It's uh, LCD sound system. You got it. It is LCD sound system, sound of silver. That's fantastic. I was listening to them yesterday, and recently they, uh, the, that guy was on the Mark Marin show. So there you go. There you go. Um, so right. uh, we're going back to my pick of uh, the record released in 2007 uh, by LCD Sound System, their second record, Sound of Silver. Listen to it anywhere and everywhere. What are some of the, uh, what are some of the, the well-known tracks off that one? Uh, North American Scum, uh, Us Versus Them. Uh, all my friends, um, I think those are the the big ones. The all my friends one is one I'm very familiar with. All right, well that's fun. Good. If you guys want to go clean your house, now's the time. That's what the that band will make you do. <laughs> all right. Well, as always, this has been Mark. This is Steve. This is Eric, and I look forward to the second half of the season where it's all of my picks in a row. Hey, isn't <laughs> isn't uh. Isn't what's his name? James Murphy. That's isn't, James is, Murphy. Yeah. Is he a ginger too? Yeah, he definitely is off that same factory floor as uh, yeah, as yeah. he and Josh Homey. Yep. That's strange. That's a weird, weird thing we got going on here. Yeah, definitely. They're all kind of they're all kind of a slightly uh, abrasive fellows as well. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, not someone you always like want to go to the airport with, kind of kind of attitude yeah absolutely yeah. Um, that's all right that'll be a good one all right eric sorry i uh oh yeah, no like that's the uh, that's the uh, that's the risk of the game i'm glad this this week i didn't actually put any money on it being my pick unlike the other time where i couldn't afford my kids any birthday presents that year so <laughs> awesome. yeah. you blew it all you blew it all on uh yeah 22 black the fad gadget but... <laughs> but as always we hope that we brought you closer to pod all right, well, we have fun here. That's, uh, that's fine. We thank you so much for listening to this episode. This was the Run the Jewels 4 recap by Pod Like a Hole. Check out our next episode where we talk about LCD sound system, Sound of Silver, and do your research on that DFRA Records in the meantime. And hey, listen, if you want to throw a few bones our way, increase our sound quality, um, and possibly increase uh, Steve's au pair fund, I encourage you to go to patreon.com slash pod like a hole and, uh, you know, throw us some jewels that way. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>